Hello and welcome to Rewind Reviews. I promise we do talk about the film, but this week it takes a little while for us to get to it uh, for reasons that will become clear. Um, if you're interested in me making fun of Chris for being um, quite drunk the night before and hearing some voice notes uh, we exchanged, um, then the first 22 minutes of this podcast are for you. Um, if you just want to hear us chat about Return of the Jedi, then very understandable. Uh, I won't... <laughs> I won't... Um, uh, I won't devalue your time by forcing you to find out where that is. It's at about 23 minutes into the podcast. Um, so there you go. If you want to hear us chat about Ten of the Jelly, you can just jump straight to that. Uh, but otherwise, enjoy the rest of the podcast. Hello and welcome to Rewind Reviews. Today I am not joined by my usual guest Chris Billingham, but I'm instead joined by a, a very hungover man. I um, mean, guest is a little unfair to my contribution to our <laughs> team, isn't it? <laughs> well, no, I'm saying you I, don't see us as co-hosts. Well, I thought, well, that was my joke, wasn't it? Is that you're a guest this week because it's not, oh, my, it's, not my us, it's not my usual co-host. It's it's I've got a guest. I have one fifth of Chris Billingham's remaining conscious. <laughs> um, so some context, some context. Um, I <laughs> I'm gonna you have you have a force ghost, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna badly CGI in a new force ghost of Chris. <laughs> um. So, uh, last night, um, we I'm in a text group with Chris and um, his cousin and um, various partners because we all watch this really cheesy but super fun reality show in the UK called The Circle. I gotta say, my favourite thing about that was was there was all there's a separate there's like a um, like a cousins WhatsApp group called your boy and your bro um, because I started it to try and convince the. <laughs> one of my cousins to come see my chemical romance with my other cousin that i kept going my chem your boy and your bro you'll love it so it's called your boy and your bro and it's got our partners on there and so adam was messaging me on that about the circle and then created that group and was like need to talk to more people than just christopher about this and i was like but every person you've added to this is in that other group apart from Dan. So really, you just... <laughs> it's, it's, it's because he he kept, he asked me my opinion of what was happening that episode that we were watching at the time. But I'd already discussed it with you, so I just screenshotted our conversation and sent it. So I think he was just like, well, I might as well just... <laughs> pull Dan into this <laughs> might, one. Might, um, might as well just see so, this live. <laughs> so as the week has gone on while we've had this, uh, you know, we, we would text during it. But last night, when we started, and I, a couple of minutes in, I sent something about what happened in the show to that group, and I got a reply from Jess that basically says, um, we're not watching. Chris is doing a virtual gin thing, a work virtual gin thing, so no spoilers, please. No problem. I said, we'll be careful. And then Chris sends, and my alarm bell goes off here. This is 10 past 10. So this is literally 12 hours ago from where we are talking right now. I'm so drubbed. Podcast is going to be Isrik Sreskiong. And then you add interesting <laughs> to correct the last that's word. Really, that's Ewok for interesting. 
Right. Yeah. Yep. And then, so, so I said, like, oh dear, are we going to have to postpone this? And Jess is like, well, I have to say, from what I can hear, because she's obviously in another room from you, (laughs) Chris is hiding his drunkenness very well, apart from the giggling, to which Chris very concerningly just replied in very simple terms, I promise you. I'm not. And then, Jess... It's because I just... There was a bit where I was asking a question. And in my head, I'm like, get through it. Get through it, man. And at the end of the question, I went, responsibilities. <laughs> and my mate, he was on the call, WhatsApp to me. And he was like, what the fuck was that pronunciation of responsibilities? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so... <laughs> So, Jesus Christ. So, Jess then sends that, sends a message that says, Scrap that, I've just seen the state of Christopher. Good luck getting any sense out of him in the morning. And I genuinely say, like, should I, should we consider cancelling this? There's no problem if he's that rough. Um, although a hungover podcast could be funny. To which Chris replies, he should be fine. I'm taking him some water. Now, the conversation then just carries on about the TV show, because the rest of us are still watching The Circle. And then at a later point, I get a me- we get messages from Chris, and they are some of the most glorious messages I've ever I've ever seen in my life. The first one just says update. <laughs> the second one replies, "Didn't drink the water." <laughs> but then he but then he added, "But don't worry." Next message, I'm going to make Return of the Jedi my bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> to which I raised an eyebrow. <laughs> and then he said, I'm going to make Return of the Jedi my book. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I think I might know where this is going. <laughs> to which he then sent the exact text again, but finally corrected the final word to bitch. And I said, third time lucky. And he said, there it is. And I sent the uh, gif from um, <laughs> Lego Movie, where Batman takes mm. like a thousand attempts to hit the button and then she goes, first try. Um, and I, then I said, obviously, if Chris doesn't think we'll talk about this in the podcast tomorrow morning, he's sadly mistaken. But the picture I then got from Jess, and how, am I going to be? Are you, do you, are you okay? We put this picture in the video. Don't worry if not. But the, I got a picture. No, no, no. I think that should be fine. Yeah, no. no yeah, it's a picture of what Chris looked like. Uh, you know, at this point, you know, less than sort of about nine hours back from now, about eight and a half hours ago from where we're recording this now. And I tell you what, it's uh, that is a happy drunk man. Um, that is, um, it's it's it was a it's a glorious photo. And now, I mean, I've just got to send this because I've just got to play this. So this, for those of you who don't know, um, well, I'm sure everyone does, but WhatsApp has the voice note function, which Chris does make liberal use of. But what he did this time, <laughs> to everyone's irritation, can I add? Yeah, <laughs> no to everyone's one, irritation. No one likes it. No, because no, everyone has to. The, 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 everyone feels the responsibility to reply in voice note. But I just want to play you the audio I have of drunk Chris. Now he made. I just want to give some context. Poor Jess. He made her record this, which is why at the end he demands she sends it. <laughs> Let me just hear. How did you learn? I just want to pause that to just congratulate Jess on just her amazing mumness. Like, she's wonderful. She's just like so yeah, polite, yeah. so patient. Like, it's half 11. Like, calm down. <laughs> she's an absolute, she's a she, hero. She was drifted off to sleep and then, uh, and then I disturbed her and then she started drifting off to sleep again and she opened her eyes and I was sending a text message but I was just stood at the top of the stairs swaying. <laughs> she said she'd never woken up so quickly. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Move. 
Oh, let's just play the rest of this. Oh, it's so good. How did you learn? What? You're shouting, and it's half eleven. Daddy, do learn. <laughs> Mate, I am excited for the podcast. <clears throat> I am excited to chat. I'm excited to get up early and watch Return of the Jedi. <laughs> You're going to make it your bicycle. <laughs> I'm going to make it my bike. What? <laughs> That's what you said. You said I'm going to make Return of the Jedi my bicycle. Mate, mate you wait. 10 a.m., you and me chatting about my bicycle. <laughs> what does that mean? Does that mean I've got to get up at 8? I will get up at eight, Dan. I'll do that for you. Send that voice note. Um, feeling less confident about a podcast happening by the minute, but yeah. Sorry, I should clarify. This is my reply. <laughs> you know, Chris, I like your optimism. I'm on board. Let's do it. You, you've got. You're gonna have to get up at about half seven to have watched it in time. It's two hours and sort of ten, fifteen minutes. But you know, Chris. What more could you want when you're still drunk slash hungover than Ewoks? Um, so, yeah, send that voice note, apparently, is how we end these now. Mate, if you looked up, if you if you had as a category of Pictionary <laughs> hangover cures, do you know what someone would draw? An Ewok. I will see you at 10. <laughs> send that voice note. Less confident with every message, but um, yeah, I guess I'll see you at 10. And I hope the rest of the Circle Chat WhatsApp group have enjoyed us planning a podcast alongside it. Um, it's good times. Send that voice note. Right. So, and in, and in my defense, what time is it, Dan? It's 10, and here we are. We are here. And I tell you what, I, like, I, I just want to point out that. That, that was at half 11. It's not like Chris went to bed at that time, because he, we also got a no. voice note at 12.45am. Um, I'll play this one too while we're here. Little update, Daniel Frederick Dooland. <laughs> I've just eaten four packets of cheese and onion discos and one packet of salt and vinegar discos. That was grab bag, so, you know, substantial. Um, I'm feeling good. My alarms are set. I'm going to watch Return of the Jedi. I'm going to see you at 10. Send that voice note. <laughs> Which, by the way, on that What's... one, utterly pointless. You were sending that from your your phone. <laughs> you well, that's just, how, that's just how we add voice notes to each other now. But uh, what's I... really bad about that is I said that and was like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want it like... No, they, I just I was just like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want that out there, like eating all those crisps. I mean, I would openly talk about it, but in the moment, I was like, no. So I went to delete that message, <laughs> accidentally just deleted it for me, <laughs> like, literally, so that I couldn't then delete it for everyone else because <laughs> I did, I had no access to the voice note anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally highlighted it, just delete for me. Yep, and then I was like, oh bollocks. <laughs> Amazing. I'm so glad. I have so many questions. Right. So, presumably at half, sorry, at 12.45 at night, Jess is long in bed. This is uh, this is an hour yeah. after the last voice note, uh, more than, yeah. and then this is, you know, further hour after Jess was like, he's not looking great. <laughs> um, so, yeah. like, <laughs> what? Were, were you just, was she just asleep and drunk? Chris was just pottering around the house eating discos. <laughs> and, and we should explain as well, discos are like, for anyone that doesn't know, they're basically, they're crisps, but they're like really, <laughs> they're not, 
they're not just like a normal packet of crisps either. They're really quite like I don't know how to describe them. They're basically circular circles, circle crisps. Um, yeah, they're, 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 they're like, sort of like um, discs. They're like they're, yeah, they're, they're very they're, sweet. which is probably where the name comes from. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, they're, they're, so yeah, so for for, for uh, I guess American listeners, they're like chips, like potato chips, but they're um, they're very heavily flavored. They 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 yeah. they're very strong. Um, as a rule, yeah. though, it must be said that a typical bag of discos is smaller. But you, dis- yeah, you, oh, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. used the word grab bag. Now, I've Googled it, and the grab bags of discos look pretty big. So, c- clarify. <laughs> well, that's so the, the reason, and if anyone's thinking also, that's a weird crisp to have in the house. Um, Jess brought some salt and vinegar Pringles the other oh, week. They're off, they're off, they're often on offer. I'm not gonna lie. Like, <laughs> that's well, oh no, mate! I bought them from Amazon. <laughs> so you wait. You ordered your crisps from Amazon. Well, I, they were. I, I ate Jess's Pringles. I felt guilty, so I ordered her some salt and vinegar Pringles, salt and vinegar discos to make up for it. Um, and then I was like, "Well, if Jess is gonna have some salt and vinegar discos. I want some cheese and onion discos." <laughs> so, yeah, but you ate one of her salt and vinegar pr- pr- uh, discos last night when you finished the, the your cheese and onion ones, presumably. <laughs> No, 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 no. My intention was always to, because I have to, because I, and and obviously this is the excuse of, an, a, large, of a larger man, but but genuinely I find that it's helpful, it's helpful to me the morning after if I've eaten something the oh, night before, but in between stopping drinking and going to sleep. Like I, I, I know drunk munch is a thing and that might sound like an excuse, but genuinely I've had hangovers where I've not eaten. I've had hangovers where I've eaten. And the not eaten are a lot worse. Oh yeah, of course. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, anything that's going to absorb the remaining alcohol that's not absorbed yeah. into your blood, yeah, hundred percent. That's that's, so, that's 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 proven. I mean, traditionally though, people will just eat some bread. I mean, my, generally speaking, the way I avoid a hangover is to take some paracetamol and eat some bread before I go to sleep because the bread so, soaks up the alcohol and the the paracetamol sort of get, get, gets ahead of the 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 oncoming headache. Um, <laughs> well, admittedly, oh, and <laughs> lots of water, obviously, as well. Is is the other my. Yeah, so I downed some water, and then, I mean, similar thought, Dan, but I was, the bread had been open since last Saturday, and uh, I looked at it for about five minutes and realised I was too drunk to work out if it had mould on it, so I threw the bread away, and then and then cracked open the discos. Um, Amazing. So, <laughs> I got two bowls, because I don't <coughs> want to play disco roulette, so I, I put the salt and vinegar in one, the cheese and onion, and like you say, genuinely, I know, I know... Five bags of crisps sounds horrific. It was more like three bags because you know the the discos are, which is still a lot. But for a drunk person, is you know, yeah, it's still bad. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not excusing the behaviour. Um, so, and for listeners, I, I will up... promise we will talk about that Return of the Jedi at some point. But I just, this is the the, the saga of this has. <laughs> Yeah, well, I come upstairs and and I I basically I go in I go in the office essentially, um, and I I I genuinely contemplated watching Return of the Jedi then and there, but I was like, nah, it's probably not the best actually, idea. Well, I mean, so, I, I, you, you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have had to get up so early. <laughs> no, but we'll come to that. So I uh, oh, so God. I yeah, so I I think I watched I think I watched a, they've just put up a video podcast of Tell Him Steve Dave um, and Kevin Smith and I think I watched that but I wasn't paying much attention so yeah I potted about well so first of all I had two bags of disco salt and vinegar and then I went down and got another two bags of cheese and onion discos uh, taking the total to four um, and then yeah then potted you're about like, you know what I'm really stuff. enjoying these discos <laughs> 
Well, I just thought it was it was a safe bet to down literally down a crap ton of water and do that. And then I got into bed about half one when I nearly sent you another voice note that was like, seriously, it'll be fine. But I was like, nah, probably not the best idea. So set my <laughs> I wish alarms. you had. I, I wish set, you had. Set my, set my alarms for half for quarter past seven. And then literally, literally every five minutes after that, right up till 10 o'clock uh, <laughs> to make sure I was up. So I had like 60 alarms set. Literally 7.15, 7.20, 7.25, 7.30. <laughs> uh, and then I woke up at five, nipped, nipped out a little wee-wee. Got back into bed. Well, yeah, you drink a lot. You drink up... a lot of water, I presume, to sort of yeah. counteract the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and then I woke up at six forty-five. <coughs> yeah, and I I drank a lot on the on the gin tasting as well, as is evident. And then I woke up at six forty-five, and I was like, I had a I had a really bad headache. It was really pounding, but I was kind of like, well, my alarm's going off in half an hour anyway. I'm a I've woken up. It's probably wiser to just get up now than it is to go back to sleep and then have an alarm interrupt my sleep and wake me up. Um, so got up for some reason, instead of going downstairs, <laughs> came into the office and started watching Return of the Jedi on, well, first of all, on <laughs> on my computer. And then I went, oh, I really don't want to sit in this chair for two hours. So then I like connected it to my headphones because uh, I didn't want to wake Jess up. Having already disturbed her so much the night before. <laughs> and then, so then I'm on the sofa and slowly, like, getting lower and lower in the sofa. Awake, I didn't fall back to sleep. But this weird sensation of, like, the feeling rough creeping up on me. Like, suddenly my body was like, not just a headache, my friend. <laughs> like, I just felt really rough. I yeah, was like, oh, Most God. people wake up with and the hangover. You got to feel it come on in real time. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. I was like, oh, this isn't good. So then I was like, right, drink some water. So I got up and Jess waved at me. So I was like, are you awake? And she was like, yeah. I was like, can I watch Return of the Jedi in bed? She was like, yeah. <laughs> so I got my water, crawled into bed, started, started Return of the Jedi again. Uh, and then Jess very sweetly and kindly got up and made me a cup of tea and some toast, which really did help. But this is why I wanted to bring it up, because it was stupid. And I I meant to watch it yesterday, Um like earlier in the day but ran out of time because i ended up working late and but actually i'm okay now for this i think because i've been awake for three hours yes so i, I did I've think had about the cup that. of tea i've had a toast so i actually think if i'd have watched return of the jedi yesterday and we were doing this 20 minutes after i'd woken up i wouldn't be in a good state so i think actually not watching it yesterday and watching it this morning will lead to a better podcast and an actual discussion of the film because I've had a chance to ride the hangover out a little bit. I said, well, we um, say that, I just, but I mean, we, we may now have to include a little bit at the start of this podcast, Chris, that warns people that we don't start talking about the film until more than 20 minutes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's not, hey, that's not, you brought it up. You brought this up and you went through the whole saga. You could have just said, Chris is a bit hungover. Let's carry on. Um, I couldn't not. You to... Those texts are amazing. So, the, I mean, I guess the real question we have now, Chris, is so you've eaten your discos. You, you know, you, you, you're feeling you're feeling rough, but you've had you've woken up early enough that you know you feel like it was actually a good idea, worked out all right, con- in, you know, all considered. You've made it. We were mm. recording at ten as as promised. Mm. Did you make Return of the Jedi your bicycle? <laughs> I mean, I rode that film. Um, I, you know, 
I watched it. Uh, <laughs> I've got I've got thoughts. I don't know what I meant, Dan. By I'm going to make Return no, you meant you meant you, you're going to make it your bitch. Yeah, you, I meant. But, you... but but even that, even then, what do I mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> I did that, yeah, know. man. As those as those texts came through, those voice notes came through. All I could think was just like, "Well, this is all going in the podcast because <laughs> it's too." Yeah, I I regret it's... I regret saying I'm going to make Return of the Jedi my bitch. I don't know what it means. <laughs> it doesn't sound great. I've, I apologize. <laughs> we've been watching we've been watching a lot of the Shield. Um, I guess it influenced <laughs> that. I guess I meant. I guess I meant. Don't worry. Because also, because you you must have also been thinking, even if he wakes up, how much is he taking in Return of the Jedi? Is he going to fall asleep? Is he going to? And I think basically what I meant was, I'm going to give my attention to Return of the Jedi. I'm going to ride it like a bicycle. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so, uh, in a galaxy far, far away, I just want to say, Chris, Chris, in, in, Jin Wars. I want to make it very clear because you know we we have to be responsible. Eating five packets of discos is not a cure for a, for a hangover. I'm sure it helped, but it's not a wise move. Eat discos responsibly, really kids. I, 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 like the, I really thought that when you started to do a PSA that you were going to be like, guys, it's not big and it's not clever to drink as much as I drank last night. But no, you went to, guys, it's not big and it's not clever to eat six packs of discos. Nah, because I didn't. I didn't. Um, I... I've been. You've seen like it's the, that. Jess said it was the most drunk she'd ever seen me, which I think is true. But you've you've seen me worse, and I didn't. I wasn't sick. I wasn't ill. Do you know what I mean? So I don't think I. Yeah, I mean it's never cool to drink responsibly, obviously. Um, but you know, it's no. I think the trouble is, Dan, when you and I have done that drunk podcast. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I feel like we've put out the drink responsibility responsibly message <laughs> with more reason <laughs> that too. very quickly last addition to this saga is that obviously your cousin <laughs> has witnessed all this without comment might i add which i loved i loved that he just sort of mm. sat back and tweet and text you know this morning just after we started recording the question on everyone's lips did chris get up at eight to which jess has replied he did but he was a bit hungover i'm now going to reply he made it. Yeah, could you correct that? Could you correct that to Chris has asked me to correct this? He got up at six forty five to watch Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> um he made it. We're recording now, and he's actually coherent. But he'd like yeah. me to correct this. He was he was actually up at six forty five. Uh full of spunkin' discos. <laughs> Oh man! Right, that has been sent. There you go. Right, let's talk about eat discos responsibly, drink responsibly. Let's uh, let's talk about Star Wars. Let's talk about Star Wars. So, um, we're going to skip the usual, like uh, what this film sort of means, place what its place in our childhood is, because uh, see last two episodes, Um, final part of the trilogy. Um, Trilogies are tricky. Um, The third one's always a struggle. Uh, Wrapping it up is always a struggle. I think it's just very tricky for a third film to be its own film when the expectations are for it to also wrap up the previous two movies. Um, I do think that is a big part of why very often 
third movie's struggle. <laughs> um, it, it, it's just a lot to a lot of weight to put on the narrative of a single piece of media. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? Because in my head, I went, I don't know if I feel that. Yeah, you know, there's the Luke and Darth stuff, but you know, it does feel like it is its own thing you know the Ewoks and or the the new battle for the other Death Star and mm-hmm. stuff but then I kind of go mm. but then again it does it does start by resolving the cliffhanger from before and it mm-hmm. you know it, it answers some questions so yeah I suppose there there is a sense of that but I but also just I like feel... defeating the Empire in a like concrete way because the problem you have with the previous movie or not the previous movie well yeah a little bit is that the first one kind of makes it seem like they beat the empire. <laughs> yeah, I always compare. I always compare Star Wars and the Matrix because I think you had a, you had a complete story in the first film, and to me, I I would prefer a trilogy to either go. Okay, we had a complete story in the first film, so let's do two other complete stories, or. Okay, the first one was part one of three, so then we have two of three, three of three. I don't love it when, although obviously I love, I do love the Star Wars trilogy. Matrix has problems, but I never think it works out brilliantly when a trilogy feels like you've got the first film and then a two-part sequel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I want one, two, three, not one. Structurally, stop, it's two and it, three. Yeah. Structurally, it's very jarring, and I do think that really does stand out with the Matrix sequels. I think the Mat- I think the Star Wars movies. Did, it's worse with Matrix, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the Star Wars movies did an actually, when you think about it, a pretty incredible job to when the first one does feel as complete as it feels to make it. When you start the second one, it doesn't feel like they're undoing anything. It, it, you know, the 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 the, no, the, the, no. the the second movie doesn't open with. You know, Darth Vader. You know, rebuilding the you know the the the, the forces. You know, like re, re, recruiting for stormtroopers or whatever because they're all defeated. Like they just go, well, yeah, the Empire is this massive, sprawling, powerful thing. Then just destroying one of their weapons doesn't just doesn't end the war. You know, which is a very logical way to just continue the story. You know, just the, well, the war is ongoing. You know, um, that was a victory, yeah. but it wasn't the victory. And the problem you have for Return of the Jedi when you go, well, the setup is there's a new Death Star. Is well, you go, well, okay, well, if we were saying in Empire that destroying the Death Star wasn't the end of the war, how do you make destroying this Death Star the end of the war? <laughs> And the way you do that is, I guess, pretty simple, which is include the Emperor, you know, include Vader and and, and show their end, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, but it, I, is, it is interesting. Which it? is pretty, pretty clever, a... really, on, on, you know, just from a structure perspective. It's actually a pretty neat way to do it. Do you think, um, do you think there's a world then where, you know, there wasn't the battle? Um, because it's kind of, because one thing I did think was, I'd never until this viewing, viewing it with an analytical eye, thought about the decision to other than Lando who we've met but he was a bit of a scoundrel so you know and and obviously Wedge who we've seen a few times Mm -hmm. we don't have you know the the heroes of this story in that final space battle and I think that's a shame because visually it's it's probably the best space battle of the the way the camera moves around Mm -hmm. the ships and stuff we'll talk about it in more detail but do you so I was really struck by Oh, they've really kept, you know, Luke, Leia and um, Han doing this separate thing. Um, And I loved that because it means we got 
uh, you know the three of them together which we didn't really get in empire for a bit and then obviously luke luke goes off to vader but do you do you think there's a world where you know you don't have that space battle and it's something else or do you think I, actually honestly, you need the war, you need the war in the stars to, for it to be star wars um I know it's an important part because it's, it's something that Luke can tangibly see. It's because it, 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 remember they get mm. they get ambushed out there, and it's a big part mm. of the Emperor's entire push for Han is mm-hmm. is look, you know, we've got we've got you got your friends are out there dying, and I think you're mm. right. Like Luke doesn't know Lando. <laughs> Luke, Luke, as far as I know, Luke doesn't share a scene with Lando. <laughs> Um, other than on Jabba's barge where they're fighting for their lives. Um, mm. So I actually think you're right. You have hit on something. The, the, the battle needs to be there because it's a big part of the Emperor's attempt to sway Luke. The way he swayed Anakin by saying, your friends, your loved ones are in danger. He was going to sw- persuade Luke with the same logic. And I actually agree with you that it might have been better. And I do keep thinking back to it and thinking, well, actually, you know what they probably should have done? is instead of setting up that Lando was flying the Falcon, they should have set up that Lando was was bringing his own ship and that the Falcon was going to be on standby. And then what you could do is have Han basically decide when Luke chooses to go to face Vader, you could have Han say, you know, the Falcon needs to be up there in that fight. And Han can go pilot the Falcon with Chewie while Leia leads the ground forces and Luke fights the Emperor. And then there's a member of the main three in each place. Well, the only thing I'd yeah. be sad about is yeah, you do, we, would, we would miss the, one of my favourite moments of the entire film, which is when the Stormtrooper approaches Han and Leia has the gun and shoots him. And she, it's, it's, uh, you know, she, he says, I love you. She's like, I know. <laughs> which, is, which is a wonderful yeah. moment. But you could have squeezed that yeah, into fantastic. an earlier point in the movie when they're fighting, you know, in the, in the forest before they separate. Um, you could have fit that moment in there. So, like, Oh, yeah. You just, you just make it all earlier. You just make there, there be more time between the shields so, going down and then the space fight. So, so for me... I, I do agree with you. The attempt to put Lando up there is them sort of saying, like, look, Lando's important. He's one of the guys. But the problem is he's never shared screen time with Luke and there's no time to make the, build that relationship. So it does make it weaker. You know, him to say your friends are out there dying. when his, we, and, and we know his friends are on the planet surface struggling, but he can't see that from the surface. Uh, from, sorry, from the, from the Death Star. So I think you're right. No. Um, it would have been better to have one of the one of them up there in that fight and I, and and for me it would have been have han out there in there you know come on we need you han you know we need a pilot you know get him out there in a ship like it doesn't even need to be the falcon but like get him out there in a ship um yeah lando lando struggles maybe he hears it on the intercom or something so mm-hmm. he goes to say you could even you could even yeah. and, you know obviously fucking who are we to rewrite rewrite star wars i'm, I'm well, well aware of that I, but, but i mean you, it's worth noting that I mean, this is the weakest of the three <laughs> this is the this is the one i i feel the most confident going nah, you could probably make a few tweaks um you could you could have because you don't really you, we don't what what we miss in this film i think is that moment of Lando and Han facing off after Empire. Now I'm well aware that you know Chewie will say to him, you know, no, Lando helped us. You know, he's he's a good guy now. But you know, you could have yeah, Han doesn't Han know that. And, yeah, you can have Han and Lando um, dealing with that tension and you know dealing with that frostiness, and then Han going into battle. 
because he can hear you know over the telecommunications whatever that they've that been those in trouble when he goes to yeah. save him and that's them making up you know that you have the tension throughout and then you then they make up and and that's what he you know it, it's similar to a new hope he changes his mind <laughs> And he goes in to swoop in and save the day, and it's repairing their friendship. Yeah, that yeah, that's great. Nice. That, I would, because that is the, it's funny because I guess this is another one of those in the context of the canon we have now. Now that Star Wars is the behemoth of a franchise, it is. It actually weirdly makes more sense in retrospect that Han doesn't even question it because these two have had a history of just betraying each other and then being friends again like it's been their entire careers like mm, it's, so it's yeah. there's an element of oh i guess you're on my side for today cool i'm not even gonna question it i'm not gonna be mad about the previous betrayal you know i like there's you know in in the you know in the light of solo um uh, and what we've learned about han and, and lando since even in the in the in the sequel trilogy it just sort of fits now but at the time yeah with outside of that other extra context i have to admit it's a bit, it is a bit strange that at no point in this movie do they address lando's betrayal because from han's perspective it's it, i understand why they don't address it with any of the other characters presumably we've not seen it but time has passed since the previous movie presumably leia lando chewy they've all come to terms with what happened on cloud city right with each other um yeah well we also see them perspective he was what frozen then he wakes up he's in java's palace lando and leia are there and everyone's just sort of on speaking terms and it's fine (laughs) he's like he just goes yeah they well they sort of he 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 changes his mind in empire so i think they you know we almost kind of see them dealing with it a little bit because he he helps save them, and they kind of get away together. But, no, but I was, I was no, but a bit like as well. Land, uh, Han's frozen at that point. Yeah, no, no, no. But in terms of Leia, Chewie, Luke. Oh yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So it's not even that. It's not even that we haven't seen it happen off screen. It's that we we did see it beginning to happen on screen. Right, right. Kind of my point. Because uh, I was sort of like, I was also like, what happened with Cloud City? Like, is he still like? mayor of cloud city like no uh, cloud city cloud city's fallen to the empire basically that's kind of how they that's that's what they basically establish at the end of the previous movie um i can't remember what the line is there's a line somewhere that basically says that uh, you know that that it's the the empire have got it now which is what he was making that deal for remember so by breaking that deal he was basically handing cloud city over to the empire because the empire didn't have any jurisdiction there at the time fair enough do you think you know talking about the end alternatives whatever like you want you want the battle in space fair enough you want to do the emperor and luke and fair enough etc so you have to you have to have a ship (laughs) do you it's become a bit ever since and especially with force awakens it's become a bit (laughs) build a bigger death star do you think though it's kind of like, well, the the Death Star is their thing. Do you think in this it would be better if it wasn't a Death Star that they were trying to build? Um, do you think that's just a result of what's happened since and things like the Force Awakens? And actually, mm. if the Death Stars, if they if they have the you know if they feel the Death Star is their weapon, it makes sense that they'd keep building it. Do you think it should have been another ship? What what are your views on you know one movie later? seeing another death star yeah so i i genuinely believe that from what i've read the reason there's a second death star is because when he planned his trilogy it ended with them destroying the death star but 
when he was forced to make it one movie because, by all accounts, it wasn't looking like he was getting to do another, <laughs> he then had the death. Because the originally, if you, I don't know if, you, if we talked about this in the trivia, but the original plan for the first movie was for it to be the the the, the rescue attempt. That was the climax of the movie was the rescue and the, the fight of getting Princess mm-hmm. Leia out, and then you know building to oh they've got a planet destroying weapon you know throughout the three movies with it being destroyed at the end mm. so to keep the structure of his original vision they're building a second death star is just so they can have the end on that you know the original plan um which is kind of hilarious um so i i it is dumb um you know that they've trying to build the same thing again it's kind of insane um it's not very practical it's obviously just going to get blown up. I the, the there was apparently lots of debates between the writer of this film, uh, or the writers on this film, people who had a hand in the script, including Lawrence, Lawrence Kasdan and Lucas, about maybe having this end in um, sort of like a like an empire capital, having a big battle at sort of like essentially where the emperor lives, like you know wherever the, wherever they're based out of, which could be Coruscant. It's hard to tell if they kept Coruscant as the capital. What was that's that, sorry? probably better. Yeah, I, I, the idea of sieging the 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 center of empire operations. Yeah, I it, that is better to because me. Is, is the Death Star is the Death Star in Rise of the Skywalker? Is that meant to be the first Death Star or this Death Star? Because it's, it's a bit neither. like it's a, it's, the a, it's, a, it's a the. Oh wait, the one in Rise of Skywalker is supposed to be this one. Right, okay. So that's why, like, the throne room still has the Wayfinder or whatever mm-hmm. was, bollocks was hidden. I can't yeah, really remember. It's a, but, okay, because they, right. cause it's the Endor system, so it's the one that was destroyed here. The, the, all right. the wreckage of it that presumably then crashed into the into the planet. I don't think they got a Yavin. I think it's Endor. I could be wrong. No, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, although Rise of Skywalker no, is such of... a mess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so yeah, so I, we... I agree with you. There were there are other ways this could have been done. Um, the idea of having like a like an like a home planet to where the Empire's operations are, just choosing one, even yeah, if it like isn't that. Coruscant or whatever, and having a big battle there, I think is better than this. Um, so yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, the idea that they were like, you know what, maybe what we need to do is just kill the Emperor. Um, so they go on a they siege that planet with the imp- the intention yeah. of sending Luke basically in to deal with the Emperor. Yeah, it can, I mean, it can still have a weapon, and they, there could still be some space stuff. Because I, I do think you need, I think you need some Star Wars. Um, well, yeah, but and, that's how they that's like how they I get say, into the planet is by because the planet's surrounded by defenses, so they have to sneak some people yeah, in yeah, to yeah. disable shields. Initially, yes, first wave, yeah. and then you've got a second wave, which is like keeping the ships up above occupied, while then there's a ground assault as well. You know that sort of thing. Yeah, that works. And, it, and it's it's it, you know it's it's not much different structurally to this movie. You'd lose the Ewoks, which is you know which. Well, I have I have mixed feelings on the Ewoks. We'll come. To I was going to say let's 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 do it, Dan. Let's. Uh, mm. People are waiting for the Ewok chatter. Mm. Um, I I don't mind the, Ewoks. Well, how did you describe it? The uh, cure to a hangover? If someone was to draw in Pictionary the cure yeah. to a hangover, it would be an Ewok. Which was my mistake, because it turns out that uh, just watching Ewoks doesn't cure your hangover. But if someone had popped in with a little picture of them, hand-drawn, instantly. I'd be like, get me some more discos. I am feeling good. <laughs> um, the... I don't, I, you know, I don't mind them. I don't know if if I'm used to them. I don't know if, you know, 
They're not as bad as, as some things that appear later. Um, I quite like, I'll be honest, I quite like the notion of the Ewoks at their heart. The the notion of the, the warrior that isn't a warrior. You know, we've seen the rebels and the Rebel Alliance destroy a Death Star. We've seen them fight. We, we, we know they can. To see these creatures on their own planet decide to rise up um, and take on the Empire. Now, I think some of the ways they take on the Empire are a bit silly and a bit cartoonish, you know, smashing logs into stormtroopers and stuff. Yeah. But the... So the execution is sometimes a bit off. But the principle... The idea at its core, I really like, and I think it actually shows that is something that is spread throughout the later films. But the... It's the notion of it's not just the these fighter pilots and this big rebel alliance. Also, you know, other creatures just just your 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 kind of citizens can also rise up and fight. I think that's for good, and I think that's something that is spread throughout Star Wars, but isn't necessarily in the original trilogy. As well, apart from maybe Luke in obviously A New Hope, but. I do like the principle of the idea. It's mm-hmm. just perhaps some of it becomes a bit cartoonish, especially with god-awful yeah. added effects afterwards. Yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think the people sometimes get the issue with the Ewoks a bit mixed up. I think the concept on paper, in in broad strokes, is fine. Um, I think it's the execution where they let themselves down. And they let themselves down, I think, in two different ways. One is by making the fight cartoonish. Yes, that is funny. It is funny to see, you know, this well-equipped military force being bested by little bears. <laughs> I mean, that is, it, there's, mm. there is something inherently amusing about the, the, the thought of these such simple tactics thwarting the Empire's best. But the problem you have is when you do that, you make the Empire seem weaker. You diminish yeah, the but... threat of the Empire. Retroactively, but... too. Part of you goes, how are the Rebels not able to beat these clowns earlier? Because the, they don't seem particularly effective here. <laughs> but isn't that partly because... But is it the Empire or is it the Stormtroopers who consistently throughout these three movies have been proven to be a bit shit? Like... You, yeah, I guess. And there is a history of that in the, in the, in the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy, too. I mean, the, the, you know, the henchmen are often dismissible in these movies um obviously the i guess the most famous example and particularly through the clone wars tv show is the is the um the trade federation the the those beige droids you know roger roger those guys um they mm-hmm. they are played for nothing but comedy throughout the series um particularly in the clone wars tv show where they are flat out never included for anything but comic destruction of, of sometimes of themselves you know they they, they it's mm. it's they're in, they're incredibly dumb and that's the notion that's that's literally the idea um yeah i guess but you know i suppose in your third and final movie when you're trying to make the empire seem a threat and you're also you also have the emperor up there with luke saying your friends are dying you know um and yeah, yeah do, it's yeah. you're contrasting that with you know the, the fucking Ewoks tying up the eighty eighties. You know, or maybe it's, yeah, an, AT, it's... Is it an ATST. This in this one's the two legged one's called. Yeah, I think it's called. Is. I think I think the two legged one is an ATST. But you know, either way, like the Ewoks are pulling it down with ropes and stuff and throwing logs at it. And look, 
some of the worst compositing work I've ever seen. I, the, the shot where the ATST, the the logs roll under it and it stands on them and trips over. The shot where it lands is fine, and the shot where it initially sort of was walking past is fine. But the shot where it actually stumbles on the logs is some of the dodgiest yeah, compositing yeah. in the entire Star Wars series. Yeah, it's Watch its feet; <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But, and I and I suppose like someone's done a cut on YouTube of that last battle, but with the Ewoks removed, and it does have more grandeur. It does feel more right. epic. Yeah, so um, it's, it's, that is fair. But the premise I is will, fine. As you said, and I, and I also, uh, the other criticism they get, which I do think is kind of valid, is that it does a little bit feel like they're there to sell toys. See, I was just going to say, but that's, man, it's a, it's a blockbuster franchise movie where they made most of their money in the first one selling toys. Like, I, I, I get that criticism. I think it's fair. But part of me goes, mm, that's, that's its right. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's not a sequel to the Shawshank Redemption with Ewoks. It's not. You know that would be like, wow, you're trying to you're trying to sell some toys here. They've been trying to sell toys from the beginning. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess the inclusion of something that like so. I guess with the other ones though, it's like, oh, here are things that happen to be in the narrative that make cool toys. Whereas this feels like we've thrust something into the narrative with the intention. Like it, it feels like the intention is less pure here. It feels like the toys were. Um, were an excellent thing that spun off from the movies where it now feels like the movie is being influenced by the desire to make toys. And there is a difference, yeah, I okay. think, in the yeah. intention. Um, yeah, that's but I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I, The thing is, re-watching it, I must say, there is a charm to them that I don't <laughs> think I always pick up on when I watch this film. Did it... How old were you when you watched this? Did it bother you? Or no, did you not as a kid. No, reversely I really I like them? I, yeah, I thought they were fucking the adorable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kids love them. I, I don't. I don't. Look, this is the other thing that I'm like. George Lucas has said this on multiple times. These are children's movies. These are movies for kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He and and at the end of the day, I don't 100 percent agree with that statement. I do. I think they're family movies, which is. I think there is a mm-hmm. distinction. Personally, I think mm-hmm. with a family movie, you have to be able to cater to both, um, rather than leaning one way or the other. And it might be also where he went wrong with like Jar Jar, you know, leaning too heavily at kids and not thinking about the, the adult audience that also have to watch Jar Jar go, Piusa, you know. Um, mm. I think with the Ewoks, definitely young, you know, seven, eight year old Dan, when he first saw this film, didn't give a shit. He thought they were adorable um, and funny, um, I'm sure. Um, so, but adult with you know adult eyes, definitely you can see how it impacts the tension of the the end of the movie because it's like you've got these very serious battles happening above, and yet the one on the planet's surface just comes across as a bit of a joke. And while I don't mind comic relief, it can't be at the expense of the threat because that's where you're hurting your third act. <laughs> you know that is that is very much shooting yourself in the foot. So it's not really the the Ewoks victory. Some people often say it's oh it's all about the plausibility. How do these little guys beat the empire? And I disagree. I don't think it's about plausibility. It's more about how in, ineffective you end up accidentally making the empire seem. Um and and like I said earlier, retroactively as well. There's a part of you that goes how did how are these guys the dominant force in the galaxy? <laughs> <laughs> they seem very defeatable. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I think it's, I think there's potentially two two things that would help pushing it earlier and yes. not cutting to it during your climax. Agreed. Which again, our, our our suggested rewrite um, would do that. But also, 
I think there is a world where you could just make it less cartoony. So you get rid of some of the noises, the noises, and the rather than you know smashing wood, you know that you do really. The idea is that these guys are really cunning, and you know they've built their. You know, when we see where they live, it's you know traps, and it's it's really, um, it's really cool clever thinking outside the box practical solutions to things and they then apply that to the way they fight so it's not just tripping up you know machines of 80 whatever with with logs it's something more it's something cleverer than that yeah i think we get we get a glimpse of i think one one good use of the ewoks in this movie is one of my favorite scenes and one of the moments i noted down as being like a significant a significantly better use of the ewoks is there's the moment earlier in the film when they they first get to the the place they need to get into to turn off the shield generator, and they're like, "There's guards. What are we going to do?" And they're trying to formulate their plan. And C three PO is like, "Um, I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt, but I think one of our little friends is doing something rather rash." And it cuts over, and the Ewok has jumped on the speeder bike and zipped away on it. Now, on the surface, you go, "That's the dumbest thing ever." Like, this little thing just jumps... But it's the Ewok, very intelligently, taking advantage of its... How people see it, right? Yeah. The the Stormtroopers don't immediately call in backup. They don't think they're being invaded by rebel forces. They're like, oh, it's a native that's idiot that's jumped on the bike. Let's go get it. Do you know what I mean? They they don't raise the alarm on the wider level because they don't believe they're being assaulted by the rebels. What that Ewok does is both funny and clever. Because it's taking advantage yeah. of its um, of the, of the expectations that the empire are putting on it, you know. And I think if they'd have played on that notion more, it doesn't even need to. You don't even need to make the log things cleverer necessarily. If you make it that the empire just thoroughly underestimates the Ewoks at all steps, so the yeah. reason the logs work isn't because they're particularly clever but actually because the empire just didn't take the ewoks as a intelligent species at all so you do more scenes of the of the stormtroopers and various uh, imperial people on the surface you know not taking them seriously you know you know destroying parts of the forest to and pushing the ewoks back and like not being that interested the ewoks already heavily interested and invested in stopping them and take advantage of how they're perceived in order to lull the empire into that false sense of security you play on that more and it's way less annoying by god i agree quite a bit because then the empire don't look incompetent they just look like it's kind of the voldemort thing isn't it it's like you know he he just doesn't take muggles seriously it's like he doesn't they're not a threat to him like he, oh even better the, the house elf they do a couple of different things in the Harry Potter books where Voldemort is thwarted by his low opinion of magical creatures like house elves. Yeah. And how he doesn't think they're on the level of with wizards. Yet he is actually, in the end, the, one of the things that seriously allows the, the, the good guys to prevail is the magic of a house elf. You know, being he deemed uh, unworthy of being able to stand up to him and mm. do it, you know. So you play on that more, and then suddenly it's not silly. It's like... It's it's not that the empire aren't efficient. It's just that they 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 lowered their guard incorrectly. Yeah, I I could see someone. I think you need to play on it more. But if you were sat here saying that was your interpretation of what we've got, it's just cartoony. 
I could see that too. That could be it's someone's not in the text, de- though, de- is it? <laughs> not overtly, no. But you know, you, you know, maybe that is. It's a bit fan spoiling, basically. Is what I, is what yeah. I, yeah, and 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I I didn't find it. You know, I still I can't remember for sure. But when I rewatched them, I did a ranking, which would probably change now, actually, um, a little bit. But I. You know, Return of the Jedi is still higher than a lot of the Star Wars films. Yes, it is. I think it I, is. Had, I, think it's, it's I only perfect, had two above it, it. it. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it is still really, yeah. really solid. Like, it's two. it's a really entertaining movie. And let's be honest, compared to recent trilogy finishing films, um, holy shit, it's like night and day. Like, Yeah, and, yeah. and to clarify, two, the two above it weren't a new hope and empire i mean two in addition to that i think return was five and then i'd also put force and uh, last jedi above it the so let's talk about something that is incredible and that is the cinematography of that last battle the way the camera moves yeah. around the ships to make you feel like you're flying in a ship as well is spectacular yeah it really does st- stick out doesn't it it's it's because the the the, the dogfight in the first movie is also incredibly well shot. You know, it's a mm. it's a it's a it's a brilliant. Uh, you know, it, it, the idea that they copied old like dogfights from like you know war films and stuff, and like sort of mimic the the, the 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 sort of way that those shots worked in itself was already impressive. But yeah, I I hundred percent agree. Like the it, it feels like they were looking for something new to do with this dogfight. Like in terms of like camera work they were like what what can we how can we up the game for the finale um and the yeah the team over at ilm who presumably put most of the the the, the you know the the fight together with lucas's supervision did a did a fucking wonderful job and under a lot of pressure from lucas as always you know uh, mm. my understanding is like with the other films lucas binned a lot of footage um, and made them do it again because <laughs> it wasn't good enough, um, you know. So I, yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. I think it's shot so spectacular; it does give a lot of weight to it. Again, it's just a shame there's not as much emotional weight because there aren't as many characters up there in that battle that we uh, that we're invested in. Um, no, and there's also not a clear, you know, unless unless this was affected, unless this was affected by my state watching it, but I'd like to think it wasn't. Um, there's also not as clear a goal, I don't think. You know, in, in A New Hope, it's very clear. Shoot shoot the bullets into this bit and it will all blow. Yeah, well, This feels a bit... What's the yeah. actual specific aim? Well, the, <laughs> yeah, well, the aim is the same initially, but what it changes when they get there because the whole thing is, a, is, a, is an ambush, isn't it? It's a trap. So what ends up happening is they have to hold off. So, yeah. <laughs> so what happens is yeah. they go up with the aim of getting to the Death Star with the you know while it's before it's completed because when they complete this it will be indestructible because it won't have the floor the previous one did so it's the idea is destroy it now while it's half constructed and its core is exposed rather than at a later time when it's completed and the core is off limits you're not getting to the core to blow to blow it Mm. so initially this was a really clear goal the problem is once they get up there han and leia haven't pulled the shields down yet which means they can't get at the core of the Death Star. And it turns out the Empire was well aware of their plan and had a bunch of ships waiting for them. So their fight, 
becomes very aimless because they can't go for the Death Star until the shield is down. But they also can't just, you know, retreat. They they need to they need to try and take the damn Death Star down. So they just have to sort of hang about and survive for long enough, which is a really unclear goal. If a movie had a fight scene at the end where the goal of the character was just, I don't know, survive, I guess. Like, it's just a bit, like, it's, it's, it's so much more engaging if you, like, survive by getting to this or doing this or achieving this. It's much clearer and makes it much stronger. You're right, there, a, great, a vast majority of this, until Han and Leia get the shield itself down... The vast majority of the dogfight at the end is just lots of we're surrounded by ships, shoot them, <laughs> which is but fine. The, yeah, I guess. And, and to clarify, <laughs> the, the bit the the bit that I think is spectacular is when they are going to try and get the core and and you know they're yes, flying the, 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 the sort of Falcon new version of the trench into... run. Yeah, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the trench run is amazing. Speaking of the ambush, or as I like to call it, it's a trap. Mm-hmm. Um, what a weird plan because so if you're deliberately feeding this information wouldn't you make it more false wouldn't you send them to a planet where there's not actually the shield that you that they could that they can use to do the thing that that has been leaked like i was like i was just a bit like if this is your grand plan why and you and you were going to lead them somewhere why lead them somewhere where they could then actually do yeah, I was the always, thing that you're suggesting they do? I was a little confused by that because there's two interpretations of it that I got that you can see. One is that, which doesn't make any sense. And the other one, I suppose, makes more sense. But I don't know if that quite gels with what's actually said in the film. The other interpretation, which is what I always took from it until this viewing, was that it was a trap in the sense of he found out they were already coming and laid a trap around them because it was already too late. They already knew where he was. They already knew that the Death Star was half constructed. So the Emperor knew he hadn't laid the information for them to get to the where the where the uh, Death Star was. They'd found that out on their own. So he laid out a trap to counter their attack plan. But I think doesn't he say something like hold on, let's see if I can got it get it up doesn't he say i leaked the information if he does it that's really dumb hold on let me keep keep yeah. chatting yeah so it. it's because it is that is a really dumb if that is his plan then he's an idiot i mean we already knew this like he's not the brightest like he, his his plans often are really weird and rely on a lot of luck like every time he has a big count like genius plan he just seems to act it seems to accidentally go well but there's always so much room for someone to have like just done one thing differently and it turned out completely differently like looking at his plan in the in the first three movies both for like starting a war to get himself power there were so many ways that could have gone wrong and then obviously even in the third movie where his plan is to like you know sort of turn Anakin against the Jedi Council at any second Anakin could have gone to the Jedi Council and been like alright this dude seems really sus and that would have ended yeah, his plan uh, immediately y- it was risky well, even then- opening up to Anakin <laughs> Like, especially watching this... Well, so first of all, uh, so the line is, it was I who allowed the Alliance to know the location of the shield generator. So, yeah, he he fed them the, that he fed them that specific information. But maybe after they already had found out where the Death Star was. So they were already coming, but he's led them to the shield generator knowing that he can ambush them and kill them. Because they were maybe. coming anyway. 
But yeah, you're right. Why give them the correct location? Give them give them the yeah, incorrect think, location yeah, of the it, shield generator and have your guards waiting there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and yet yeah, you really realise, especially watching this quite soon after seeing, you know, within a couple of months of seeing Rise of the Skywalker, I'm like, wow, the Skywalker saga is just the Emperor trying to convince people to kill him. <laughs> it's literally the whole... And And do you think, and maybe there's some fan explaining explanation stuff here is it because i think what's a shame is i think if it was just these three films on their own you could make an interpretation that he needs to be killed in the way that obi-wan was killed so that he could also come back as a force ghost and be powerful you know strike me down and i'll be more powerful mm. than you can ever imagine that's what he's trying to achieve no I, I i never read it that way um i i could see somebody interpreting it that way for sure but i've never read it that way for me it was if he gets luke to try and strike him he knows vader's at his side to protect him so he's not going to get hurt but it will turn luke to his side he's trying to get luke to be angry to commit murder to turn to the dark side and he knows he's safe because one well one he's got vader to protect him but two he's i mean certainly in the in the prequel trilogy pretty handy with a lightsaber himself um but he's sitting there looking he's sitting there looking defenseless on purpose because he wants luke to try and kill him because he wants luke to dad more than that he's got loads of tubes of clones hanging out Oh, yeah. ready for him yeah. so don't worry about that that's not a problem um yeah and the, that final when luke does get angry i it, i didn't i didn't take it in last time i watched this but i did again analytical eye watching it this time that lightsaber battle between luke and darth vader is fucking brilliant yeah it's great and, and, and there's an unfortunate truth to why it's so much better than the previous ones <laughs> which is that they 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 took peter uh, they took um how do you say peter no what's his what's his name david david prouse out of the mm. out of the costume um basically oh, in right. the previous movies prouse had always done vader both in all the scenes and in all the action scenes but in this movie they chose to have prouse be vader for the first i don't know third two-thirds of the movie and then as soon as lightsabers came out they replaced him with a stunt double because they realized they could just basically give vader an internal version of a platform shoe so that a short a shorter person could be vader's imposing height in the costume it's actually what they do years right, later okay. it was the same trick they ended up using years later to give hayden christensen a chance to be in the in the costume um because they were gonna say well we'll get a tall person to play vader at the end of revenge of the sith and he was like no come on i've been anakin for three movies let me let me let me be vader give me one scene as vader two, so they two movies but yeah Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, of course. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I just I know that that's not me being pedantic. That's just me being the voice of whoever is screaming. Yeah, yeah, of course. Two yeah, movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, so they they were like, oh well, we've done it before. We'll do it again. So they built basically the shoes of the Vader costume. The legs of the Vader costume were built in a way that were platformed, so a shorter person could get into the costume. They were sort of a little bit on platforms, but they it allowed them to sort of have Vader's height, but if, even if they weren't his height. So a stuntman was actually Vader for the fight scene. Um, <coughs> which explains, I guess, why the fight is so much better because Vader has much more movement. I mean, actually, to be honest with you, in terms of like the creativity of the fight, 
the tense the intensity of the fight i actually prefer empire um but mm. in the way it's shot as well i think i prefer empire but the actual physical like what's happening you know the the, the actual sword play is definitely better here and it's i it's a a, bi- a big reason for that is 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 that they got a stuntman to actually be the 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 other half to the fight rather than uh, David Prowse, who presume I presume due to his height isn't the most um, what's the word I'm looking for because I, I I often find people who are that tall tend to be a little less um, coordinated maybe yeah that's fair I actually I pref- personally I see what you're saying I I think I prefer this one I kind of feel maybe mm. we should have discussed it last time but it, it, you know in, in Emperor it feels a little bit like they're fighting because they should fight because he's the good guy and he's the bad guy so right. they're gonna fight you know they fundamentally they've only met when Vader unless Luke's really pissed off that Vader tried to get him in the trench um you know he's well, had no, he, he watched him, him ki- he watched him, him kill up, Obi-Wan but... to be fair well yeah no that's fair yeah that's fair um, but I think the why they're fighting is clearer here. And e- even when there's that dual thing of, well, is it because he thinks he can be a good guy, so why is he fighting him? But he's almost fighting him. My interpretation is he's almost fighting him in frustration of, yeah, what are you doing? Like, come just be the person I I know you can be. Um, and I just think there's a lot of emotion in that. And, and Mark Hamill's performance, I think, is really good for that as well. Yeah, it's, it's definitely got more emotion, this fight. But again, as a physical fight, I think actually what I like about the Empire fight is it's Luke hasn't gone to fight Vader. Luke's gone to save his friends, and Vader has trapped mm. him. So that fight in Empire isn't Luke. If you watch what's happening in that fight, it's a lot of Luke just trying to escape. It's a lot of yeah, Luke backing fair. away, hiding. There's the bit where he hides down in the in the in the in the that hole where the carbonite freezing happens, and then he leaps out and he's up in the up in those like pipe things, trying to stay away from Vader. Like it's a it, Luke. That Luke knows Empire's Luke knows he's outclassed and he's been tricked here because he's been drawn in to save his friends, and now he's fighting somebody whose skill level way exceeds his because he didn't complete his training. So it's a scrappy survival fight that leads to basically vader backing him down a plank you know and and then he falls like it's a the empire fight isn't luke going to fight vader it's luke being ambushed by vader and as a result the fight is kind of like a a scrap for survival which is why i like it so much um (coughs) excuse me um this one has its benefits too though as 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 pointed out with the revelation of from the end of the previous movie of the the father and son dynamic that we have there's so much more emotion in this fight. There's so much more passion in this fight. Mark Hamill gets to act. And as I said, the actual physical sword play here is, you know, way better. Um, because, and, and so it should be. Luke is now more trained. He's he's come to fight this time. He's not come to run away. You know, he's he's come to face Vader. It's, it's what Yoda tells him in the middle part of the movie. You know, you've got to face Vader. It's how, the only way you're completing your training is by coming to terms with Vader. And basically, what Yoda is saying is you... <laughs> You need to face Vader because, like your father, you are on the edge of whether you might become a good guy or a bad guy. And only through coming face-to-face with Vader and overcoming that and coming out the other end a good guy will you know you're a Jedi. Because there's a chance you're weaker than you think. You know, you're more susceptible to your anger than you think and your hatred and you could easily turn to the dark side. And what I love about these movies as well, Luke wears white in the first one, 
grey in the second one and black in this one. Mm. And he opens this movie, the first time we see him, he immediately force chokes those two um I forget the name of the race, the pig guys. Um he is very much on the path to being a Sith. <laughs> yeah, that and that that came because, you know, we when we discussed that with Empire, I I felt there was a lot of uh I don't I didn't necessarily feel the the text brought that over um as much as kind of additional stuff and and interpretation. I really felt it in this one though. Yes. Uh, maybe because we'd had that discussion last week and I went into that. But it's but things like there's way more focus on it. Like when he chops off Darth Vader's hand and he looks at his own hand, which was chopped off by Vader, and he just kind of draws down the lightsaber and says no. It's a really powerful, big moment. Yes. Like you say, the, the imagery, him in black, etc. Um, I think there's way more that's in the text a lot more here. Um, and I think it really works because it's great, it. and it and it does improve that final fight. You're you're not wrong. I think, like it, it's a matter of degrees for me. These two fights, you know, these these two climax sort of lightsaber battles, because I love the scrappiness of the Empire fight and the survival of it. You know, um, the how outclassed he seems, because that obviously leads us to to this movie where it's where he comes back, and it's like God, he's got to overcome this this guy trashed him last time. Like, well, you know, it, it, it's, it's that it's simple. It's simple storytelling. But if you show the villain beat the hero, the villain immediately becomes automatically more imposing. That is just how these things work, right? Like if, if it's always a close call, your villain seems a lot more threatening and Vader seems very threatening. <laughs> so when he goes to, to him in this movie, you're sort of just like, ah, oh, geez, like this kid, like what's he gonna, how's he getting out of this one? I don't really, I don't foresee him sort of, you know being able to overpower vader beat vader and yet and you also you know he's like so close to the edge and there's all this emotion entrenched in this but also essentially luke's soul is being you know torn at like you know which way is he gonna go um and you're right the moment where he pulls that you know retracts the lightsaber and is like no i'll not you know i'll never turn is like such a fist pump moment you know it's such a Mm. great thing and i mean i even like Additions aside, and we'll get to them. Um, I even like the choice to have Vader fulfill the prophecy, which didn't exist at this point. But I love the, the choice of having Vader be the one to turn. But I do always think, though, there's another thing that kind of hurts this fight, and I wanted to ask you this. It's in my notes. Do you think they do enough to convince you of Vader's turn here? <laughs> do they set it up enough? <laughs> Where he turns on the Emperor, chucks him down a big shaft. And I don't. And we're ignoring the no. We'll come back to that um, because this movie, I think, has some of the most egregious changes in the special editions. But putting that aside for a second, does the movie do enough to convince you that that's a, a thing that might happen? I think so, but only just. And it and it works because he immediately dies in a way. I think. I think it has to. You have to have him then die for it to work because has he done enough does it do enough to make you buy luke forgiving him and in luke's eyes him being redeemed yes i think so just um because partly because in empire you have that it's just a boy stuff i think they could play more on that but they sort of build the notion that you know darth doesn't actually want to kill him again could be done a bit more yeah i suppose they do have him getting like 
crushed with that thing. But I just Luke I, comes I to think... him and says, "You won't take me to the emperor because you'll do the right thing." Cut to <laughs> here, here, emperor. I brought Luke. <laughs> It's like, is that guy really the guy that's going to like save his son when he's in danger? He brought him to the Emperor in the first place without question, without hesitation. I don't know. I, I, I always kind of felt that his turn, while powerful, you know, while epic and such a cool moment when I was a kid, I was like, no way, Darth Vader's turned on the, you know, the Emperor. Like, in reality, I watch this movie now and go like, wait, he turned on the Emperor? <laughs> Why? Mm. He didn't give a shit about his son. When he tried to fucking kill him last movie, <laughs> like he's you know, he didn't. But yeah. does he? But 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 does he ever? When did it, when did he try and? Well, I suppose he, he tried to kill him in A New Hope. Yeah, he tried to kill him in A New Hope. He, although it's it's un it's unclear in the canon when he knows Luke is his son. So the current it's changed a few times because obviously Legends and now Disney bought it and deleted all the old expanded universe. The story now is that he doesn't know Luke is his son until between A New Hope and Empire when after the Death Star is blown up he hires Boba Fett to go to Tatooine and find out more about the pilot that blew up the Death Star because he knew the Force was strong with him and he's curious. And it's Boba Fett comes back and is like, I don't know, he's some kid, some farmer called Luke Skywalker, and he's like, oh shit, that's my name, and puts it together. Yeah, um, because, because you know, because it, the, which is something they never fucking explore properly. Like, we need to hide the children. We should probably make sure the boy has the same name. Yeah, <laughs> and, oh, and we'll put him with, you know, his actual aunt and uncle. Vader will never think to look there. Nuts. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, insane, right? I... Luke was living with... <laughs> Owen, Lars's son, like I, he never thought to. I guess, I guess you're right though. Actually, he, of course, he never thought to check there. He thought they were dead, and that's the other thing. The in the in the in the now existing canon, not at the time of these movies, so it can't be levied as a criticism against these movies. But in the current canon, it doesn't make sense because part of me goes, "Oh, wait a minute! The Emperor lied to Vader and said." You don't have kids. They died in... Ch- they didn't make it through childbirth. I think, he, in fact, he actually says that it was Vader's own force choking of Padme that had killed all three. Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. The, he well, maybe at that point he yeah. only thought it was a a single but child. Yeah, two. Whatever. Yeah, single but, child. But... So, shouldn't he be mad at the Emperor because he lied about the, the kids surviving? Yeah, which again we presumably see off screen. Um, I, th- I, I. So if he if he doesn't know in a new hope, in his defence, in terms of this discussion of do do they do enough? Mm. He doesn't try and kill him in Empire. I mean, sure, he chops off his hand, he lets him fall, but he doesn't. Yeah, oh yeah, he, you know just, what I mean? he just battles him to the to to the edge of a giant cavernous thing where if he was to fall he would almost certainly perish how he doesn't we still don't know and then he lops off his hand you're right he loves his kids <laughs> yeah when you put it like that also think, when luke I... shows up and is like father <laughs> and vader's like uh, yeah. sup and he goes it's, you it's... won't take me to the emperor because i believe there's still good in you and he's like you think cool let's go see the emperor 
like it's hard to it is hard to justify why and also he stands there defending the emperor fighting luke again through the entire climax of this movie letting the emperor get in luke's head and then only when he's electrocuting him does he go no <laughs> oh yeah well i mean the no is awful like, yeah yeah we, well, yeah we, well again we, no I nose just, aside only then I does think... he decide to pick up the emperor which by the way very impressive considering one of his hands is a stump at that point um I still wonder where the grip came from. I've always wondered that. Even as a kid, I remember thinking, how's he done that? <laughs> like, if I had a stump and a hand, I couldn't lift up another human. <laughs> I'd struggle to lift up another human with enough hand- with two hands to get grip. I would. They would have to be a very thin, weight, you know, uh, very low-weight human. I couldn't... <laughs> so, I don't know how he managed but, that either, but, but that's a different question, I suppose. It is the most... I guess, I guess, and this is why it's so much about fathers and sons, because it's, you know, it, that is the most, whilst, you know, when he fights him, when the, you know, he's, he's against the Emperor and all of that stuff, the most physical, in pain, scared he sees his son is in that moment when the Emperor is attacking him. And I, I, I think they do just enough to, to, to buy that snap. And like I say, I think in terms of the redemption, it plays better and it's fansplaining. It plays better in my head if it's he's redeemed in Luke's eyes. I like the idea of Luke turning to like land, turning to Wedge and being like, Darth Vader came round. And Wedge being like, yeah, fuck that. He killed my friends. Like, do you know, do you know what mm. I mean? Like... He's, well, I mean, no one else, redeemed. no one else shows any reverence for him. I suppose they do kind of do that. They don't outright have Wedge say "fuck that," he killed my friends. Which, by the way, now canon in my head that that happened off screen. <laughs> that's that's have, exactly well, the conversation have, you, that happened. You do have Obi Wan and Yoda accept him into the you know the Force Ghost of it all. And yeah, but that's, but, that's, but, that's but you know that's I, I, once you're in the. Sp- the sort of the spirit realm i guess like i don't know your your true feelings are like exposed and also like i guess no sith ever comes back as a sith ghost so i guess to be a force ghost you have to have you know and they were there when luke took his helmet off and he was all like because the moment that you sort of like the other moment i question is the, the helmet coming off moment which by the way one of my as a kid one of the most amazing things i ever saw was oh what Darth Vader really looked like i can't express how much I, 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 to this day, remember holding my breath. Because I, there's a part of yeah, you that always amazing. goes, they're never going to show the face. They're not going to show the face. Of course they're not going to show the face. That no, no no reveal can be satisfying. Like, you don't, you, you know, that logic doesn't, isn't, like, clear. You don't know why. But you just know there's a good chance they're not going to show the face. Because they've never done it. Why would they? So I'm not going to lie. Eight-year-old me saw that movie. And when Luke laid him down, and he was like, you know, take off my mask. I want to see with my own eyes. I don't think I breathed for another few minutes <laughs> because that was amazing. I was just, <gasps> he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. Like it's just an incredible moment. It's no, I can't under uh, uh, you know uh, I can't overstate how impactful that was. But when he was just trying to kill him, want to lay my eyes on my son for one last time, and your sister. Oh, your sister. Oh, my son. Like. <laughs> I'm struggling. Adult Dan struggles with these scenes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it can. It should. It should have more time and and be cleaner. Let's talk though, because it is so incredibly insulting to Sebastian Shaw 
two who played older Anakin in mm-hmm. the uh, in the you know in Under the Mask, and originally played him as a Force ghost at the end of the film. Yes, but instead. <laughs> What what you'd what you'd see on Disney Plus and what you've seen since I think you presume it's in the tri- triv, but since I think two thousand and four mm-hmm. is Anakin is is Hayden Christensen, which is just one. Sebastian Shaw looks cool as fuck in the original scene. Looks really it, the the difference of like good Anakin and under the helmet Anakin, Darth Anakin is done mm-hmm. really well in my opinion. Yes. Um, he's reunited by Obi Wan. That's lovely, but but also, it it feels specifically like an insult to Sebastian Shaw because it makes no fucking sense. Because one of them is their younger self, and one of them's their older self. So yeah. you kind of go, if you want to do that, you kind of have to make it you and McGregor. But you're not doing that because you don't want to be insulting to Alec Guinness. So you're keeping Alec Guinness in there, but removing. Sebastian Shaw and replacing him with someone who Luke wouldn't recognize. So there's another reason it doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, it just it just feels insulting yeah. and and unnecessary as well because I think even if you watch them, you know, in machete order, you watch them in chronological order, whatever. Even if you do that, you are still thrown by the fact that yeah. it's it's the young Anakin and not the Anakin we've have, just seen. Have you heard Lucas's explanation? No. So Lucas has an explanation that he's given, and it, it's a two point, it's a two pronged explanation, Chris. And I, and I, it makes slightly more sense, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, he first of all says that he wanted Anakin. He thought Anakin's Force ghost would look like he looked before he turned to the dark side. Would look like right, well, let's, light Let's side. make it Jake, whatever his name is then. What's that, sorry? <laughs> let's make it the little kid from Phantom Menace then in that case. Well, yeah, because uh, well, yeah, what, at what point did he officially turn to the dark side? I guess it is the third movie, but yeah. Um, the other point he made was um, Anakin, old Anakin, was half a man. He was burnt. He was, you know, uh, missing his limbs. Like to have him blemish free with his limbs back as a ghost, he felt was odd. Um, I guess he in, in George Lucas's head, the ghost would have looked similar. But I always thought, like for me, like like I think you, I think it's okay for a ghost to have sort of healed the major wounds of a person. Like you're a ghost. Like it's not really. Yeah, but it's it's you. It's it doesn't have to. It doesn't, you don't have to it. take your physical injuries into your ghost life, do you? <laughs> Yeah, I viewed it as like their soul, or like like in 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 the book yeah. series Animals. There's a really the idea is they are. It's all about DNA. So if they get injured, if they morph and then morph back, the injury is gone because the injury is not part of the DNA. It's not part of what makes them them. I would argue it's the same. For you know what I mean, the Force Ghost is the soul. It's it's what yeah. makes them them. I wouldn't expect Luke's, and I don't know. I can't remember if it's visible in Rise of the Skywalker. I wouldn't expect Luke's Force Ghost to have an electronic hand for the same no. reasons, you know. And, and I also think it's kind of sweet to see like what because like, look, Sebastian Shaw doesn't look like so far removed from Hayden Christensen that it doesn't make sense. It's it's no exactly. It's really. 
shitty. I think. Yeah, I I I I, I do agree. I I I, I try and giving the, my best effort at defending it as from Lucas's perspective because that's you know it just feels more balanced for us to like exp- to talk about Lucas's logic, but it's very hard for me to defend either of those reasons because both of them don't work for me. Um, mm. A ghost can whatever. It's a ghost. It doesn't. It really doesn't matter. There's, there's no rules to it. You're making it up. Like it's a. It's a ghost. <laughs> they don't exist. Spoiler alert. Um, so there's no. You know. It's not like I'm going. Well, you know. In the real world, ghosts always look like they do with injuries intact, Lucas. So <laughs> fix it. You know. <laughs> there's no comparison. So I'm just sort of yeah. like staring at that guy. Like forgetting even the ins- the insult to Sebastian Shaw. Let's just take that out of the equation for a second. I take the fact out that there's an actor being replaced just the logic of it just doesn't stand up on its own two feet um no, because you because fundamentally i think the problem is you either need sebastian shaw and alec guinness or you need ewan mcgregor and hayden Christensen. correct yeah and, and because you've had alec, it, and you would never remove alec guinness because it's alec fucking guinness therefore you shouldn't yeah. remove sebastian shaw i would love to see that restored um yeah so would i because I think it's it's much better. Because again, you're right. Recognizable to Luke as Anakin, like Luke must have been. Honestly, there's a version of that scene where Obi Wan shows up and it's Luke staring, and then Yoda shows up and he's oh, Yoda got to be a Force Ghost too, you know, my 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 two mentors, and the Hayden Christensen shows up because he's who the fuck is this guy? Yo, Obi Wan, who's this kid? He's like, oh, that's your dad. <laughs> is it? Looks like, looks like an older version of that kid from Jingle All the Way. What's going on there? so like i just uh yeah i i I, this movie has the most egregious changes we'll get to the other one of the other ones in a minute um but it's by far the movie that was fucked within the worst ways i don't like in the original uh in a new hope where they've added cgi monstrosities in the background of shots i don't but doesn't really change the content of the film no it doesn't change what's physically happening in the film with our main characters. No. It's just background artwork stuff. It's distracting, and I don't particularly care for it, but I accept it. He was frustrated with how the first Star Wars looked due to budget, and when he had the digital power, he shouldn't have wielded it, wielded it but he did. Fine. Empire has pretty minimal tweaks. Again, a little distracting in places. Nothing egregious. The Greedo thing is, is the most egregious thing in the first two movies. But even that... I, I, while I agree with the point that Han should have shot first, I don't care that much. It doesn't change too much for me. He gets into a shootout in the bar, survives. Hmm. Adding Jabba is more of a... I suppose adding the Jabba scene is probably the most egregious thing in the first one. That I do genuinely think like that changes the story and how things play out because Jabba's introduction in this movie is great, and I wish we hadn't seen him earlier. You know what I mean? I wish we could take that scene out of an, of the, the, the the remastered cut. But for, forgetting that for a second, fuck me. Adding Hayden Christensen in and adding that fucking musical number. Oh yeah. Earlier in the movie, and then and adding the no. No! And, cha- and changing and changing the Ewok song at the end, and changing the Ewok. Uh, yeah, and oh, oh, and fuck me, even worse. Showing me all the other planets. Fuck off. Fuck. 
I don't oh, mind that one. No. Like, I don't think that that changes the story. That ties it in. I think that one's all right. Like, uh, it looks no. a bit shit, but it, I, I, I understand that one well, a no, lot more than the other ones. The problem with that is, if the movie had shown us, if the movie, those, so those three movies didn't show us the wider scope. They were very personal to this scrappy group of rebel, you know, rebels. Showing us the wider world right at the end like that doesn't function for these movies. Nah, but for for me, they've done enough to set up that it is a wider world, and so that helps. But they've reinforce. never shown it though, and that's what I like. It's 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 that sublime yeah. thing. I know there's a wider world out there, and I'm never shown it because it's not what's important. We're keeping focused on these human people in this situation. So suddenly, in the end, to cut but, to like random planets, and just be like, here's some people celebrating. Yeah, but because you have I to view the movie that. in isolation, because we're reviewing it in isolation. Like I'm, you know, with all the other stuff we've gone well, you can't consider the stuff we learn in the prequels, and we can't consider the stuff we learn in the sequel trilogy. That's not my defense use... of it, though. Go on, sorry. That, so my my so I understand that one more. It's not saying I would include it. I did well. I have it completely as it was originally, but. I understand that notion more than like the no because it reinforces that the emperor empire has truly been defeated this time and it's not just the celebrations akin to a new hope every fucker is celebrating across the galaxy because it's it's finally happened it adds more gravitas to the win for me by showing us those other other places. I get your point, but I understand the reasoning. I think it's more defensible than the other changes. Oh, it's, it's probably more it's probably more defensible. Oh, I know it is more defensible than the no and the fucking Hayden Christensen and the fucking song, truthfully. But it does really annoy me because what I like about these movies is the scope is always hinted at, not present. And that's actually part of mm-hmm. what I like about the tone of these movies. And to suddenly show us it at the end of that movie, to me, doesn't function correctly at all. I know. Again, mm-hmm. I, I, I see. I, I see your point, and I agree that, like, you're right. I guess to sort of put final stamp on it, we talked already in this movie about the danger of this movie would be that maybe you could come away from it going, "Well, they've destroyed a Death Star before and it didn't end the Empire." So, the, you know, how do you? How do you put a stamp on the Empire in this movie where the, where the audience leave feeling like it's done and done for good? Um, is you know that is, yeah, that you know I I do understand how that might help, but it's it doesn't function for me at all. Especially it's mm. especially because it's just it's just so distracting because it's so long as well, and it's like it's just shot after shot of these planets, and it's just like can we get back to oh, Luke, what Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie and Lando like can we not? Do you know what I mean? Like, let's let's mm. stick with it. We, we've you've so diligently stuck with our heroes through these movies and given us their small scale perspective of this galactic situation. Uh, it's one of the things I complimented the first movie for. It just feels very, it feels very against the spirit of the movie. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's for fair. me. But Leah, yeah, let's talk about the other ones. Let's let's. So the no awful. I mean, hurts the scene so much. It's a bad performance. I love James Earl Jones. But it's the cheesiest fucking shit I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I completely agree. I, and it feels like he fucked up <laughs> in, in Revenge of the Sith and went, well, I'm going to make it a character trait, like the Stormtrooper getting hit on the head. Like, it's ju- it just feels like it's done for the Have we talked about reasons. the Stormtrooper getting hit on the head? No, I don't think we did. So isn't that in... Is it in A New Hope, isn't it? It's and then basically... 
the logic is that the um, the guy who got cloned in the prequels to create the stormtroopers at one point also bangs his head. So it's no longer a goof. It's no longer a mistake. It's saying that part of their DNA is they're a bit clumsy. It's, it can easily hit even, themselves. It's on even the head. worse than that, I think, because in the original cut of the movie, there's no bonk sound for a New Hope. <sighs> So the, the Stormtrooper yeah, yeah. in the background bonks his head because he's slightly taller than the door that they've created, right, on the set. So over the years, fans noticed that in the background, as a little goof, one of the Stormtroopers bumps his head. And it was, t- I guess, talked about on the internet or whatever, you know, early versions of the internet. Lucas got sort of became aware that fans found that quite funny um, and was a bit annoyed at it. But I guess when he went to redo them, he was like, well, they've noticed... So I guess I lean into it now. So in the 97 special edition releases, not the later adjustment adjusted ones, he added a bonk sound. So when he hits his head, it goes bump, like it makes a donk, like a comedic like bonk noise. And then, still obsessed with this goof from... 30 years ago he then went to the trouble of like a fucking like an absolute psychopath (laughs) making it canon and explaining it (laughs) by having the clone bump his head or the guy that the clones are based off bump his head um which also doesn't make sense because at this point it's pretty clear that they're not necessarily all clones because they don't all sound like Django Fett or Boba Fett um, he didn't yeah. go back in adjust their voices either so they're not all clones at this point this is this is that point where they've sort of half and half it I think where some of them are clones maybe and some of them are, are just kids they've you know basically re- in fact actually I think it is canon now through the Clone Wars that the, the, the Stormtroopers in the, the original trilogy are not clones at all um, they're um they're cadets that are like raised in the ways of the empire and sort of brainwashed. So, it's, ah, what do you do? It's just madness. Man. No, so it it's wasn't Clone Wars. It was Rebels. Sorry that that set that up. I should I should correct and myself. It, and it feels like it's the same thing here. It feels like fans hated the no. So it's him going. Well, it's just a thing of Darth Vader's, isn't it? It's how he reacts when he's emotional. Like what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's that one's really bad. I don't know, and I also need the loo because I've drunk a lot of water to try and dehydrate um, or hydrate. So I, could, I don't know enough about either. And I, I, I have I must hold my hands. I did watch a comparison video and saw a bit of it. I don't know enough about how the songs either end of the movie have been particularly redone. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw to you, Dan. Yeah. Well, so the, the so the I think the one at the end has just been changed to make room for those extra shots. Um, so they sort of did a re-recording. It's it's a similar song, but it's different because it needed to be longer now to accommodate the new footage. You know, of the different planets celebrating. Um, honestly, it's it's probably. I know a lot of people are upset by it. I don't think it's different enough, really, to have ever bothered me, personally. Um, but, you know, I, get, I, I can see why some people don't like it, because it is, it is different. It's a, it's a brand new recording, and it, it does change the song in order to make it longer. The song at Jabba's Palace. So, oh, God damn it. So... The opening sequence, which I guess we'll talk about in a minute, which is just this whole section, it's like 20, 30 minute, about a 30 minute section of the movie, where they're at Jabba's palace and they're sort of dead free Han. And it's a really great sequence. And I actually think it's 
one of the better parts of the movie. I really love the the, the rescue hand section. Um, I think it sets up the story really well. It follows the pattern of the other movies where there's a there's an early sort of action. Like the previous movie, it was the Hoth section before they go off on the main adventure. And this movie starts with the little adventure of saving Han at Jabba's palace. It's full of tension. Jabba's such a great character. What a wonderful introduction to him. He's so menacing, but also kind of gross. Like there's so many things I love about that sequence. One thing I hate about that sequence, and it was, and it was to be fair, in the original plan, was that Lucas wanted a musical number, and they did it with like actors in costumes and puppets, and he didn't like it. He hated it. He hated how it turned out. So he scrapped it. Fine, no problem, Georgie boy. It kind of fucks the pace anyway, and it's kind of dumb. And the song is awful. The song is fucking dreadful. So, dodged a bullet, Georgie boy. Let's not worry about it. Then it comes to the, the, the re-releases, and I don't remember if this was added in the 97 versions or the 2004 versions, because he's obviously made adjustments to these movies over the years. Uh, and I know like the No was added in 2004, so I guess the song might have been added in 97, but I can't, I, I can't be sure of that. But when the sec... The, well, he basically went, oh, we can CGI all the aliens now and restore the footage. And what's amazing is they actually brought the dancer girl back because she was still in really good shape, apparently. They just were like, that when they said they were going to reshoot parts of that scene to complete it and re-put it in the movie, someone had got wind of that, knew her, and was like, oh, no, she's still dancing and still in really, you know, and like she's not like aged noticeably enough for it to be a problem. You could get her back in. So they even went to the trouble of bringing that actress back. Wow. 20 years on and had her you know get back in the makeup and shoot more stuff and it's the same woman and like in fact the way it's described in the trivia um, section on, on imdb is that she was in better shape than she was originally which i just think is like i don't know that feels weird to comment on but anyway so she was still you know she was she was still able to do it and they brought her back and I, while that is impressive and it's hard to deny that it is impressive they were able to complete the scene so many years on the cgi monstrosity that is the, the the alien singing it the cgi monstrosity which is the band leader um and then the awfulness of the song itself it's fucking awful everything about it doesn't work top to bottom I'll be, it's offensive i'll be honest with you dan it didn't do much for my hangover no i'll bet it fucking didn't <coughs> it's 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 incredible that it's that they allowed it to 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 be in the movie i i i genuinely can't understand i mean well i can actually watching the documentaries on the prequel series is really illuminating anyone who's never done it look up like there's a documentary that came on the prequel dvds that has loads of behind the scenes footage and what ha- basically happened was over the years lucas surrounded himself with yes men and while he was constantly challenged on the original trilogy by the time the re-releases, the remasterings of these came around, and the sequel trilogy, or sorry, prequel trilogy, he was very much boss man George, no one disagreed with, and it's clear. You watch him go into a room and be like, don't like this, do like this, don't like this, and they're all like, yes, yes, George, yes, George. Everything he says, they just agree it's, with. It's incredible. It's it's weird, isn't it? Because, like, there's no... There's nothing like it anywhere else <laughs> no. in the series. And, but... Wasn't there in wasn't there a dance number or a musical number in the holiday special? There's a few. Which there's, got there's... which got criticized to shit. So why would you go Right, they didn't like it in this. 
It doesn't really fit. But you know, I really want to do it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I, I think you his know, justification I'm... is that he shot it originally, so it was supposed to be there. To him he was completing his vision, right? Yeah, uh, maybe, but you know, because uh, because because the because that's the thing is he didn't cut it because it was a bad song or didn't fit the tone, which is all true. He cut it because he didn't think the special effects had caught up. Yeah, but most people, when when it then got shot on in the holiday special, most people would have gone dodged a bullet bullet there. Probably shouldn't restore that bit. <laughs> yeah, but that's the problem you is know. by the time we get to the things, he doesn't have any people to say that to. So in any other movie, any other director who's doing a, a DVD re-release or a cinema re-release of his movies, you know, with, with remastered special effects or whatever, goes, I'm putting this in. Someone along the way, an editor, a producer, someone who has to make the fucking horrible CGI of the fucking weird alien with the, the lips that stick out like a fucking trumpet or whatever, puts their hands up and goes, sorry, no, no, this is, <laughs> this is awful. What are you doing? Mm. But because he's George and he owns the fucking production company and he has to answer to literally no one, this is what you get. This is what happens when a man has no, no master but himself. Madness is what this is. It's dreadful. Top to bottom, it's offensive. I would pay so much money just to get a version of this trilogy with that scene removed. Mm. I live with the no and the Hayden Christensen. I understand how we got there. I could never forgive this fucking dancing <laughs> because it is. So if you if you could reverse a change, would you reverse that change? Yeah, I think it. I, honestly, I think I would. No, I'd do. I'd do Anakin at the end, personally. It'd be the, well, the Hayden Christensen thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's a t- it's a toss up between those two. They're both very very problematic. <laughs> um, I just don't understand why you would add such a terrible scene to the movie. It kills the pacing. It really hurts the Jabba Palace stuff, which I've just mentioned uh, while you were while you were away. It was one of my favorite sequences. Full stop. Like I love. Yeah, the, yeah, that no, absolutely. It, 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 and it, it it makes it the trouble is it makes it longer. And I had much less of a problem this time. Um, that I've kind of reversed my stance on uh, Empire's Hoff scene last time, mm-hmm. and I didn't really feel it with this scene. But I I know why people could. Um, that it's a separate thing because actually for me it was answering that it was addressing Luke and Leia and I I think there's some worthwhile stuff in mm. there um, but it does feel a little long and I think you know an easy fix for that take out the musical number uh, yeah. and then it's well, which, which and, wasn't there originally well. like I, again I would pay good money just to yeah. have that removed like I honestly like I, I understand the desire to get these despecialized versions I actually think there might be a slight middle ground with despecialized versions where you take out all the really egregious, obvious CGI, but you're keeping some of the very small, subtle changes. I don't mind Han going round the corner and there being more stormtroopers in the first one. I don't mind them fixing that weird orange glow under Luke's speeder. No, well, even in this one, the, the I don't mind them adjusting the effects of Han coming out of the carbonite. Fine, yeah, not the not yeah, yeah. fine, yeah, nothing. The, the, the small changes like that, just to clean it up slightly, I think are just like quality of life changes. You know, just like quality of viewing changes that I don't personally mind. But when people people talk about despecializing them, they mean strip it back to what it, exactly what it was. And I always think like ah, I I kind of want just like a couple of the tweaks 
to to still exist because I think a few of them do improve. But yeah, most of the egregious well, but, new well, CGI depends. has to go. It depends on purpose. It depends on purpose, doesn't it? If you want, uh, I agree with you. I think there's a middle ground for a sitting down to if if I could choose a version to watch if I was going to you know watch them again in a couple of years. I'd want ideally that version. There is an intrigue factor of though. I'd still pay a lot of money to see a complete to see exactly what they saw in 1977, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, but, I would very much like to see. But like as a definitive version for the annals for history to go into the archives, the one that people will go to. I do think there's a slight. It's not even really a middle yeah. ground. It's still yeah, it's leaning towards completely despecialized because you do take out most of the changes. But just you know, like I said, a couple of the quality of life changes, I'm kind of all right with. Um, and I know that's a con- maybe a controversial statement uh, around Star Wars fans. You know, a lot of people they. <laughs> They feel very strongly about all the changes, but I, I I think there are a couple that make sense and work. And I and 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 like I said, hand going around that corner and seeing a lot more stormtroopers is fine for me. I, you know, it's it's that doesn't if it, it kind of improves the joke a little bit because um, originally it was just five and it felt like why is he suddenly turning around when he was chasing four originally? Like oh they've gained one and suddenly he's running back the other way. Like yeah, fine, it makes more sense. Um, I, but yeah, come on, the the fuck the musical number. <laughs> just, oh my god, it's so bad. It's so. And it's, I, w- you... I wish it was like a good song and I could go cool. At least it's like a decent. Like he re- he fought to get the song back in to re- because the song was written and was good and the special effects let it down. I could at least justify it that way if the song was good, but it is the most irritating piece of music I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> in, um, in terms in terms of the rescue, I think they do a great job of making almost to be fair too good a job of making Luke feel more threatening and feel like this incredibly powerful Jedi Knight. The reason it's almost too good a job is because you're like, Luke, have you dicked around doing some more training whilst Han's been <laughs> frozen in carbonite here? Like, it almost feels like too big a jump. <laughs> yeah, that's a good was. point. I, I do sometimes um, wonder that. Like, what's the what's the line there? Because, like, you, you know, do you, do, you, do you assume that basically they were waiting for word from Lando on where Han was? And while they were waiting for Lando to locate Han, Luke was like, right, I'm going to go do some training. Let me know when you found mm, him. And I'll come embed help. himself. But they don't and make that clear. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, but so that's is, fan explaining. Is... Yeah, completely. Because um, presumably it took a bit of time for, you know, Lando to embed himself in as one of Jabba's, you know, cronies and stuff. So, mm. but the. The actual rescue, I think, is is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a little bit of a side adventure, but it's it's answering a cliffhanger. Nothing wrong with that. Um, there's some really good action sequences in it. Like I say, I think the the Jedi Knight Luke is fantastic. Um, obviously, we touched upon it briefly last time, so don't need to go too much into it. But Boba gets a shit death. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Boba Fett gets absolutely like, but Boba Fett gets treated like a bicycle. Yeah, he dies like a like bicycle. Me riding this movie, <laughs> you know, it's not good. No, it's basically yeah. It's it, the problem with Boba Fett's death is it's kind of comedic, um, and and while it is kind of like oh, it's kind of funny that this kind of guy that's been like a threat is he just accidentally hit on the back by Han, his jetpack explodes and sends him flying into the Sarlacc pit. That is funny, <laughs> but it is you know when you've spent a movie making him seem kind of threatening in the previous one. And even started this one with him hovering about in a sort of menacing way. He's hanging about at Jabba's palace, I guess, waiting for more work or whatever. 
the idea that like that he's defeated so easily and kind of by accident just deflates all of that <laughs> yeah completely and it shows I'm, almost I'm a, it, it shows almost a lack of awareness from the writers and creators that they just because there's, there's a bit in the trivia where lucas basically says if he'd have known boba fett was becoming so popular in amongst the fandom um you know through comics and other you know books and other supporting media he had no idea that was the case so and if he had known he would have given the bounty hunter maybe a better death scene um apparently lucas even considered adding a boba fett escaping the sarlacc pit for the 2004 dvd release um uh, ultimately, he decided against it as he did not want viewers distracted from the intended storyline. Huh, interesting you showed restraint there, Lucas. Um, <laughs> but I think even even that shows how finger off the pulse he was because he's, he's missing the point. Like, It's not even that it was f- the fans liking the character. He himself, in his own movie, created a threatening-seeming character. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the way he's the only one to realise where the Millennium Falcon is, the he's quite a imposing force. Yeah. And and throughout all of this, he's just bumbling like a hen. Maybe he was drunk. Maybe he loved the song so much <laughs> and he got drunk. Like he's just a bit all over the place and yes. it's um it's a bit of a shame really. Yeah. Um it's worth but- adding I love the way they handle um Leia in this. When I was thinking about it at first, I was like, oh, God, the skimpy outfit. What a shame. This feels like backstep. But while the outfit does feel like a step backwards, considering how conservatively they had her dressed in the previous movie, which was I preferred, I liked that she wasn't she wasn't uh, an object. She was a mm. fierce, battly character that was not to be trifled with. In both the previous movies, she had moments of action where she got to decisively do something she was she was rarely the damsel and there was a part of me going oh she's kind of the damsel in this and then i went actually she's not when you think about it leia chooses to go in there to save han on her own you know she's the one that threatens everyone with the damn grenade she's the one that frees han and she it nearly works and then when she is captured she's the one that kills jabba (laughs) I was going to say, I think it's the fact that she kills Jabba that means they get away with it. And yeah. it's such a brutal death. Yeah. It's so, it's so like, it's a revenge killing. And I think it does, it's, it's yeah, it does make that. There are egregious elements to it, without a doubt. Um, and it, and again, you do you do slightly find yourself questioning the motives of, of the creators. Um, but... I think you're right about she certainly kicks ass like that whole escape sequence even before killing him like and but then after like the way she like is getting out of the chains and stuff like it, yeah it's it's she really does kick ass in it so yeah, yeah. and and if you want to something interesting so this is now I've tried to verify this and I've had trouble I found people quoting the same thing in different places so take this piece of trivia with a piece of salt piece of salt with a pinch of salt with a bucket of salt fuck it take a bucket chris um i did just want to Mate, say i know i ate, i ate five packets of discos yesterday let's be honest i've probably had enough salt <laughs> I need, i'm, I'm, need not, I'm not gonna lie chris i'm still kind of pleased with fuck it take a bucket <laughs> just for the the uh sort of alliteration not alliteration you know what i mean the rhythm of that anyway so reportedly Carrie Fisher had been complaining about her costumes in the previous two movies. She wanted to... Lucas had explained to her that he wanted to set Leia apart from the eye-candy damsels in other movies 
and wanted her to be this bold leader that should be looked up to, not sought after. But Fisher, while appreciating the thought, was also sort of fo- you know followed with with the notion that people almost couldn't tell she was a woman because of the the way that they dressed her in the previous movies. Um, I guess she was looking to show off a little bit. I mean, she's obviously in very good shape. Um, although in one of the interviews I saw, she sort of said the biggest concern for her going into this movie was that she was going to have to wear the gold bikini. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, it's a bit interesting. Mm. So, but either way, her complaints to Lucas led to the Java slave outfit, um, which actually became a bit of a running joke amongst the crew because the metal sort of framework um, that held the top together meant that the costume didn't move well with her. Um, so, and she didn't particularly care for the idea of using double-sided tape, so it became necessary between takes to adjust her inside of that to keep her in it. Um, and apparently many, many scenes had to be reshot because they were constant wardrobe malfunctions. So, oh God. Uh, yeah, um, it's unfortunate. I don't know how true that is. Um, I find it if that's if that's true, then Lucas kind of went in with pure intentions and sort of Carrie sort of like wanted to be more feminine at some point in the movie or wanting to be a little bit more sort of to to look at that side of her. But like, I don't know. I I I I'm torn because I just that doesn't sound right to me. The idea that she no, be like yeah. I think yeah. that's one of those things where every, everyone involved probably has their own interpretation and yeah. in, in their head their interpretation is the right one and they've talked about it like it's the right one and it means the truth is probably somewhere between all of them. Yeah. Um I mean it it doesn't yeah. it might it might it, it certainly seems plausible to me that she'd go god you are basically I mean, wearing a sack in the first movie um like give me something to maybe slightly more shapely like you know like you know I don't want to deny that I'm a woman you know it's it's one thing to you know it's one thing to want me to seem strong but another thing to like put me in a sack which is essentially what she's wearing in the first movie it's a sack with a belt around it um so i i don't know yeah the answer might lay in the middle um but it doesn't stop me feeling slightly uncomfortable about the fact that poor woman had to be on that set in that outfit god no yeah no it's really yeah it's it feels very egregious and I don't like the idea of her being uncomfortable with the costume, you know, even if it's even if it's because it's, um, you know, the mechanics of it. Like, yeah, no, it's not. I, I, you know, I would change that if I could, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. She she obviously looks amazing. Like she clearly, you know. Yeah, it's become iconic, you know, and it's. Yeah, that's 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 the struggle, isn't it? There's a part of me that's just like, God, it's so iconic. You'd almost it'd be a shame to lose it for that reason but then there's a part of you that goes yeah but if she felt uncomfortable in any way then just kill it kill it kill it dead kill your babies yeah um I, and also i, I think I, they, I they get away with it because they don't frame it as her choosing to wear the outfit they frame it as java forces her into the outfit and she then almost as revenge for the outfit strangles him is how you could potentially interpret that um the, how do well, I think revenge for being attached is... to him by a chain and forced to wear a gold bikini i like the idea that that's kind of yeah in a way it kind of informs her murder of Jabba. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think... So, I'm, I'm a little torn I, on the outfit, to be honest with you, as a result of that. I think it's a whole slave thing, not just specifically the outfit. It's his atrocious treatment of her and, and everyone around him. Yeah. I, I can't... I, I've never watched that scene, though, without thinking of the Friends episode, where... <laughs> 
Ross talks about the Princess Leia fantasy and you know yeah I, I definitely I mean I, I can yeah I mean the many many people have spoken about that being a sort of awakening in their young selves which like I, I just think that episode of Friends is very entertaining the play the payoff as well with the with the mum link to Chandler and stuff yeah it's uh it's very good yeah speaking of Leia do you think I love how they handle Luke and um uh Leia and Han in this I think you really they really cement this film makes you buy that that couple then stay together. And like mm-hmm. Han's growth, I love the scene. And it's a real nice, you know, there's a lot of character moments with Luke and Darth and stuff. But there's it's a, a really nice beat to have Han say, I think, when he misinterprets what Leia's saying about Luke. And it's like, you know what? I'll step back. I'll step away. I won't I won't get in the way of this. You you be with him. Like it just shows real growth, real maturity, real respect for the character, a reflection of how much he cares about Leia. I I love that moment and I think they do a lot of really good. It's like they consciously made the decision, okay, if Empire was about whether they sh- do love each other or not and whether they should be a couple, we're not going to do that again. And I think they easily could have made it. Uh, are they? Aren't they? But to make the decision to go, they are, and we're going to do that story with them. I think was a really good one. And I think they didn't necessarily do enough of a rev- resolution in Empire. I think some filmmakers, some sequels, would have continued the will they, won't they? And I think they didn't. And I think it's better. Their relationship is better for it. Yeah, I 100% agree with... Well, okay, I'll rephrase that. I 99% agree with almost all of that. I think you're absolutely right. I think the movie does a brilliant job of convincingly making them a couple in a way that's not how any other movie from the era did it. Like, it's... it's You know, every, any other movie in the era has just constantly got the characters, like, holding hands and smooching and saying, I love you. And this is more of a... In the action affection, like, it, as it's going on, they're just... It's just to keep constantly reestablishing and reaffirming how close they're becoming, how close they are. Um, but then also adding a little bit of like a tiny bit of tension is the, particularly the scene where, where she's just found out, you know, Luke's just told her that she's his sister and then he fucks off to go fight fucking her dad. <laughs> and she's left absolutely reeling and Hannah approaches her and she's understandably, but oh, you do sort of wish you'd just explain the situation a bit to him. She's sort of like, I just need to be alone. And he's like, oh, you you can't tell me, but you can tell Luke. And Han's got that little bit of jealousy. All plays out really well. My only slight criticism, the reason I go with 99 and not 100, is I do think she's a bit of a... Like, she's a bit cruel. The scene... She knows Han doesn't know he's a brother. She knows this, right? She's aware Han is not aware of their relationship. And Han, very obviously, feeling concerned for this relationship, goes, you love him, don't you? And she goes, well, yes. And then just sort of, like, stops engaging in the conversation and allows Han to, like, freak out and go, okay, I guess that's the end of this. Oh, that's a real shame. I kind of love you, but don't worry about it. I guess um, I'm not going to get in the way if Luke comes back and he's all good. I'll step aside because I just want you to be happy. And all of that happens, and then she goes, oh, no, you fucking idiot. He's my brother. Like, how cruel is that? (laughs) Like, when I rewatched the scene this time, 
I'm watching Leia the entire way through that. It was almost distracting. I'm going, tell him. Tell him now. Look at him. He's freaking out. Are you just, like, you're just being so cruel to this man. <laughs> Explain yourself. Explain yourself. <laughs> she yeah, really leaves him to dangle there, and it's so unfortunate. <laughs> I don't, my my memory is it's not that long, but I don't know. I've not rewatched the scene. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe go rewatch, re-watch that it. scene after this. You might be surprised. But I but I'll take it for what it does for Han's character. It does. I'll yeah, absolutely take it for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think the it's it's a good scene for for what it says about Han, and I I will take. I will take. But also, she's fucking. She's in shock. She's she's thrown by you know. The the Emperor winning and all of you know the sorry Luke she's worried that Luke might her brother might be dead so she's, she's not though she she literally ju- the, the 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 that scene starts with well her that, going, okay so she's distracted she's distracted by getting these force feelings then yeah I'll fan explain my way out of it Dan I don't know yeah it it seems so I'll rewatch it with that in mind it's it's actually got almost comical when you rewatch it with that in mind. <laughs> because i did i went back and watched it a second time because i couldn't help but feel that and i went back i was like that can't I, i've missed right because i'd never picked up on that before how mean that is and then i went back i was like jesus christ um anyway um yeah any other any other notes uh yeah let's uh, we talk a little bit about yoda's death i suppose that's something we've not really hit on um mm. it's interesting it's interesting isn't it because it, it, it feels that we have two very similarly similarly placed scenes one after the other where luke talks to both of his mentors about pretty much the same stuff um, um it does reinforce a lot of the things so i don't i wouldn't change it but it is kind of interesting that he has this conversation with yoda yoda dies and then he has this conversation with obi-wan and he kind of covers the same things the reason it was added apparently yoda wasn't in the script at all close to shooting but basically um lucas had consulted his child psychologist as they were sort of starting to get into production and the psychologist had said that unless they unequivocally stated that vader was luke's father any moviegoers under the age of 12 might dismiss vader's claims to be luke's father as a lie and george wasn't sure that was true until he then heard that james earl jones also thought vader was lying and he delivered the dialogue <laughs> so he was like, that might genuinely be a problem. So they added Yoda to the movie, basically to say right up top, no, no, it's true. <laughs> but what I think is interesting about that is they do that and then have Obi-Wan show up and do the same thing. <laughs> Did you need both? I wonder. Yeah, and I definitely felt that. I was like, he's just saying the same, like, this is weird. This yeah. weird kind of reiterating. I almost wish it had been a joint scene. So, like, it had been Obi-Wan's Force Ghost, Yoda, and Luke having that conversation. Yeah, because I then do. it almost, I then it almost we... might have felt like Obi Wan coming to sort of accompany Yoda to the other side. Almost, you know, you that might have felt nice. Yeah, because it's also a bit weird that because the in kind of and I know he's dying and they play it that way. But your your Leia thing, I did feel that a bit with Yoda. I was like, fucking spit it out, just tell him, like right. <laughs> tell him it's Leia. Like you know this information, and like you say. Obi-Wan's about to say, about to fill in the blank. And it's, yeah, maybe either make the scene all one 
or keep Yoda alive and make Obi-Wan's Force Ghost tell him. But I, it does also, though, it's almost a shame for me that that's the reason Yoda's in there because it's like, does it not also make sense that the next thing he'd do once Han is rescued is go back to complete his training? <laughs> like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's and, such and imagine, a logical it, plot point. And imagine this movie without Yoda saying to Luke, you're not a Jedi yet. You've not proven you've overcome your fear and your anger. Until you can face yeah. Vader and come out the other side a hero, you've, you're not a Jedi yet. Yeah, sure, you can use the Force, you can do a backflip, do a, do a flip and swing a lightsaber. Great. But you're not a Jedi until you come out the other side a good guy. You know. So now you need to face Vader. Without that scene, I think a lot of this movie doesn't work. <laughs> I know that sounds yeah, silly, completely. but it's, I think that's a really important thing to lay out in plain English early in the movie. Yeah, completely. So agree. the idea that Yoda wasn't in, an early, in in most early versions of this is baffling to me. But yeah, I do wish that they'd sort of combined the Yoda and the Obi Wan scenes, um, or even, as you said, not have Yoda dying like quite as. Um, one way to potentially do it is to have Yoda in bed, and be and say, "I'm I'm dying. I'm old." You know you know when when 900 years old you you turn look this good you won't or whatever you know um you know do all of that but don't actually physically have him die give him just a little bit more energy so he doesn't have to say every sentence over 30 40 seconds and then basically have him say to luke you know you won't see me again i'm i'm by the time you you face vader i'll 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 be gone have him lay it out like that so then when he shows up as a force ghost at the end of the movie, that's kind of confirmation that he passed on peacefully. That's almost nicer, is it? Is it not? I don't know. I don't yeah, need but to then see, I I don't need to see you him then... fade into dust or whatever in, in, in front of mm, Luke's eyes. But are you then distracted? Would you then be distracted when he appears as a force ghost? Would you be like, wait, is Yoda dead? Did he die? Do you know what I mean? I guess if he's clarified, I'm definitely going to die any day. Then you'd might yeah, but then I think that if you're gonna do that, you might as well have him die rather than right, just yeah, so you know, okay, Luke, yeah, that's fair. definitely dying. <laughs> either way, like... either way, that scene is really good, but it, it it's played too slow in that scene, and then doubled up with the Obi Wan scene, and I kind of just think you could have sped it up by just smooshing them a bit together. Yeah, I think you could have done it all with Yoda. We've already seen Force Ghost uh, Obi Wan, so I think if Obi Wan, oh, I, don't know, I almost think. Because I, I you want... almost think it's nicer to just have him at the end. Yes and no. I think I think I see where you're coming from, uh, and it would be cleaner. But the one thing that he can't get from Yoda that he needs to get from Obi Wan, and the reason I think that scene exists is, but you told me my dad was dead. Like you've not ex- explain yourself. Like you out, you basically lied to me. And then you know, even though it's not a very good excuse, it was you know. A, it was true from a certain point of view. You know, that whole nonsense is obviously a really shitty explanation. But I do think there was an element of Luke does kind of need to confront Obi-Wan about the fact that he told him his dad was dead when he very much isn't. You know, um, so I, I, I'd be, I, I think we'd be remiss if we lost that confrontation, which is why I think merging those two scenes might be better. He can ask all of his questions in one exchange. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's fair because again the 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 flipping from a certain point of view speech just again feels like lucas retconning something he didn't know and, and oh, just almost writing certainly. around it yeah yeah almost certainly yeah um there's a lot of that um so um 
Uh, I've already made notes about that. Um, I because obviously I, he'd have to. It's because I love though that like there's something he can't write around, which is Leia shouldn't remember her mother. <laughs> yeah, that's in my you notes. Can, um, bit you inconsistent. Can fansplain, you, you can fansplain maybe force memories. This is know, exactly but, what yeah. the fans have said. Yeah, so um, obviously the intention was that the mother was alive. I think at this point um lucas basically you know she died when leia was young but she hadn't died in childbirth at this point in lucas's mind um and he obviously changed that later which now makes this very inconsistent <laughs> in the wider context of the canon the fan explanation when she describes her as very uh, very kind beautiful but sad um i think yeah is a is a force thing now she yeah. she remembers her mother through the force, not through any other means. Um, but yeah, it's it doesn't really work, does it? Um, it's, it's tricky. I wouldn't say so. But I mean, if we go into the the, the sort of a little just a little dip into the triv while we're at that subject, um, when they were coming to write this movie, Leia was not going to be Luke's sister. The plan, it turns out, I've discovered in researching this, was that this there's another was intended to be Luke's sister, who is a separate character called Neelith Skywalker. And the thrust of the sequel trilogy, which he was looking to do before they got into production on this one, was Luke going out in search of this other Jedi so they could who's been off on the other side of the galaxy training so that they could restore the Jedi together. Um, so the sequels were going to follow Luke's search for Neelith. But, as we talked about last week, these movies hurt George Lucas, both physically, mentally, and also, um, you know, his dedication to them led to, led to, uh, reportedly led to making his marriage more rocky, and he actually got a divorce during the production of this movie. And considering his passion for family, and his wish to spend all of his time, and the re- you know, he, he just wanted to spend time with his daughter, um, so he decided as this movie was going into production, that he wouldn't do the sequel trilogy, um, and that it wasn't going to happen. And that's why he changed this movie, because he'd already set up There Is Another. So then he went into this movie adjusting it to be, for for Leia to be Luke's sister, to sort of close off that thread. Do you think there's a world where it could have been Han? That'd be his brother or something. Yeah, because he doesn't specifically state sister in Empire. No, just as um, another. But both on Tatooine, both. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, Han's actually what, from Corellia. Corellia, correct? Yeah. Is that stated in this? In these? What are these three films? Ooh, then? it's a Corellian ship that he flies. That's where the where the, where the Millennium Falcon comes from. But you might be right. Actually, I don't think they ever actually. You're right. They don't actually place Han's home. As anywhere, no, because we we meet him on Tatooine, so I think he could have. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's, he, is, he is a, he is a smuggler, and a, yeah, a lot of people gather on Tatooine at the port to to do smuggling yeah, work. Yeah, but yeah, so. but again, Leia wasn't on Tatooine, so that's fine. I just think is there is there a world where that's cleaner? Is there a world? <sighs> yeah, that, where I, 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 that? I guess if the if the multiverse exists, there's a version of it where Han is his brother. That's yeah, I didn't even think of that, but um, yeah, that would certainly have changed things slightly, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
Mm. Um, and I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's better, by the way, because you know there's only the only really egregious thing is the kiss, and we've already talked about that as as it not yes. jarring as much as some say last time. So yeah. I well, think it's um, fine and good. But, but, yeah. yeah, Mark Hamill wasn't happy about it though. It's worth noting. Um, he took great issue with the revelation that Luke and Leia were brother and sister, and actually went as far as to accuse George Lucas of making up the idea on the plane ride to set. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Lucas had wanted to end the saga to spend more time with his family and opted to combine the unseen sister with Leia, thus resolving what he saw as the Skywalker family storyline um, and sort of closing off the trilogy in a more definitive way without leaving any threads dangling. Um, yeah, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they don't really actually, when you think about it, don't really do anything with the revelation. <laughs> Leia never has to confront Vader, you know, she never like has to show like she never, she doesn't use force powers to save the day like it doesn't really actually do anything other than close off a line of dialogue from the previous movie <laughs> yeah which you could have you could have left open as well like whether you were doing the sequel trilogy or not doesn't mean you had to yeah round that off yeah isn't that interesting yeah who knows anyway um so yeah there so oh there's some of the yeah before we get into the rest of the trivia just very quickly a couple of the notes i just want to give credit to warwick davis who is adorable as wicket um he auditioned to the, yeah, the he's movie great. because his grandmother heard the ad on a like a radio station um and said he should go for it and actually he wasn't even supposed to play wicket um it was supposed to be kenny baker but Kenny Baker got food poisoning on the day of production. And Warwick, who'd been just in one of the other Ewoks, they gave him the role. And he plays it wonderfully. He talks about, in Empire of Dreams, how he had a dog at the time. And the dog would tilt its head when it was curious. And even though he was 11 years old, he'd noticed that and found that that kind of felt right. So he did that in his performance which i think is such a small decision but for an 11 year old is kind of genius yeah definitely although it is i didn't know that about kenny baker it is a shame he didn't get the chance to to be more in, you know what i mean do something else yeah other than r2 <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh, yeah it is a shame um I, w- I was surprised to discover that as well um even though it's in empire dreams which i have seen before i guess i'd just sort of forgotten that information but yeah he was so warwick was just sort of a, was an extra ewok you know that's how he that's what he'd been cast as um but kenny uh yeah so kenny, kenny was supposed to be the main one but i think i think warwick brought wick wicket to life massively like yeah, oh, definitely he, he gives that ewok so much character and energy that i don't think he would have had with what and no offense to to um to kenny baker but i don't know if kenny baker would have would have quite brought that mischievous spirit to to uh wicket the the way warwick did so i'm kind of glad it worked out the way it did again no offense intended to, to, to kenny baker but i think it just kind of lined up perfectly that this 11 year old boy got to play got to play um got to play this ewok and, and did such a wonderful job and imagine that being 11 years old on the set of a star wars movie i can't even imagine oh it must have been amazing yeah i love i love the um so little mini 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 game dan quickly mm. if you include all roles so not lead roles, not, you know, if you include cameos, small parts, voice parts, all roles, where do you think Warwick Davis ranks on highest grossing actors? Probably quite high. 
he's yeah, he's he's not he's because he's because Willow as well was a big hit. Obviously, Star Wars, but then he's had like Harry Potter, which mm. is easy to forget, and that's obviously. Yeah. I mean, he's been part of some of the biggest franchises of all time. Um, yeah. He's probably he's pro he's certainly I think in maybe the top like fifty. Oh yeah, he's yeah he's number seven. He's number seven. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So the 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 people above him quickly. Robert Downey Jr. is number six. Bob Bergen, who's highest-grossing film is Minions, so I assume he's a voice actor, mm-hmm. is number five. Uh, John Ratzenberger is number four. Yes. Frank Welker is number three. Yeah. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is number two. Any guesses, Dan, on number one? Um, Cruise? Nope. So, it's impossible movies. Uh, um, the Rock is apparently very, very profitable, but that's just the quantity, I think, more than the quality. He does a lot. No, of you got to think... You got to think about so Samuel L. Jackson's number two, and it's all roles, so it's not necessarily it's not leading parts. It's just appearances in films. I honestly don't know. I feel like when you tell me, I'm going to feel stupid. But yeah, because that was a clue. So it's uh, it's Stanley. Of course it is. Because obviously, because if, it, if it's all roles, it's it, you know including his cameos, and he's cameo cameoed in not just the MCU films, but all the other you know X Men films, Spider Man films, etc. Holy shit! Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If you we won't we won't do this all day, but just so you know, if you do lead roles, Cruz isn't in the top ten because of because of you know Marvel basically. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, because I, I, I know that he's like at one point he was like one of the top in terms of gross because of like yeah some of the big oh yeah no doubt Harrison Ford had had a hell of a run around this point you know he did Blade Runner he did um, he's in what is it he basically I wish I'd actually had it in front of me basically around Star Wars he was also in like a bunch of other huge films Indiana Jones Blade Runner what else is he in around this time I'm gonna have to quickly go back sorry because I just it wasn't it'll annoy me yeah, so <laughs> this uh, is the fugitive. This, oh, this is just like in an like in a like an eight year period. Like right. <laughs> he did like. <laughs> Wait, where is it? Oh god damn it! I've scrolled too far. Here we go. So yeah, Blade Runner, the Star Wars movies, American Graffiti, Witness. <laughs> this seems to jump though. Where's? Are we missing something here? Apocalypse Now, <laughs> and, like Jeez. imagine, imagine Star Wars Raiders, Apocalypse Now, and Blade Runner in a eight-year period. Wow. The <laughs> if you just do live-action roles, Warwick Davis is number three. Only Robert Downey Jr. and Samuel L. Jackson are above him. And by the way, if you do lead roles, the only two whose highest-grossing films aren't isn't Avengers Endgame is Tom Hanks and Johnny Depp. Well, there you go. There we go, people. Anyway, well, m- moving on from highest grossing actor trip. Yes. What's, uh, what's I just I, I want to make trip? a quick note that I, I love the fly casual joke in this movie. One of my favorite things. I always laugh every time when Han says to Chewie, you know, fly, fly close, but not like you're trying to fly too close. Like just, I mean, Chewie's like, like, and he's just like, just fly casual. 
fucking brilliant every time. Um, we haven't talked about it, but fuck me, the speed of chase. The speed of chase is one oh, of my favourite yeah, action great. sequences in the whole movie. Um, I love everything about it. I love the way it's shot. I love the way it hasn't seemingly been massively fucked with in the years since. Um, I love how it ends with Luke chopping off the front nose of that, the one that's spinning off with that screeching noise. Um, uh, everything about it just works for me. It's exciting. It's visually really cool. And it shows Luke and Leia kicking ass. And I'm always on board for that. Um, I do always note the bit where Luke, where C-3PO sits down to tell the story of Star Wars <laughs> to mm. the Ewoks. I've always found that weirdly charming. That's very funny. Um, we haven't really talked about it, but there's a bit in this movie where the Ewoks think C-3PO is a god. It's really bizarre. Uh, fine. <laughs> Whatever. Mm. Yeah, I think it was... I mean, it's not hilarious, but it, it's a nice excuse to show Luke's force powers. And I think right. it's quite funny and clever that Luke that um, Luke does that to get them to listen to yes. C-3PO. Um, but I will say as well, my favourite thing about him telling the story is it just feels like he's giving details he doesn't need to give. Like, essentially, he just needs to go, guys, the Empire is really bad. He doesn't need to talk about Han and Carbon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like, and it's just funny. I just thought, you know, let me tell you guys a little story called Star Wars. <laughs> it's just, it's like, yeah, he's like, just here's the movies we just watched. It it um, makes uh, it makes me just ache for one element that I loved um, from Ryan Johnson's original script for uh, the third movie of the sequel trilogy um, is the. R2-D2 at one point gets broken and he gets, as he's being repaired, he flashes up images of basically the Star Wars saga from his point of view. Um, so, you know, him in the trench, etc. And Leia's watching it and I just think that scene would have been beautiful. I'm um, I, 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 sorry, to, because this, as you did earlier, I have to correct just so people don't get in the comments. You mean Colin Trevorrow, I assume? Oh, sorry. Colin yeah. Trevorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that that did that scene did sound lovely. And kind of a little cheesy, but like also kind of nice, like a little little bit of an homage. Um, one other little note I made, and I've always wondered it, Chris, but who do you think those weird purple dudes in cloaks the Emperor goes to talk to are? <laughs> oh, God, those. <laughs> who knows? There's just a bit where he's talking to Vader, and Vader walks away, and the Emperor just turns around and just walks over to these just like three other dudes in purple cloaks. Yeah. No <laughs> idea who they are. Weird. No idea. No, no, never, never did, never knew. Anyway, right. Let's should we hit the trivia? This fair bit, so we'll we'll blast That's through it. this as quick as we can. Um, so, according to the Empire Dreams documentary, Spielberg, who is a lifelong friend of uh, of, uh, of Lucas, was actually his first choice to direct it. Um, and even though Spielberg really wanted to, he was actually forced to decline because he was still a member of the Directors Guild. And we talked about this last week. Lucas had dropped his guild membership over disagreements about Empire Strikes Back and the fines that they charged for him not having the credits mm. at the front. So as a result, Lucas had to hire a relatively unknown and non-union director. So that's why he went with Welsh director Richard, Richard Marquand. Um, Lucas was pretty impressed with Mark, Mark, uh, Marquand's ability to bring in movies on time and on budget, which, as we talked about with the last one, was a real concern because of how much the previous movie had gone over both production time and the budget. And actually, I find that really funny because all Lucas ever wanted was to break himself free of the studio system and he became the system (laughs) because here he is moaning about going over budget and over time. (laughs) You know, because it was his own money, which is understandable, but I just find there's an irony to that. (laughs) 
to me. Um, so yeah, um, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. He did. He, exactly right. Exactly right. And the other thing, I will come to that later. But uh, I should get to it now while we're here on the subject of Marquand. Years and years of rumours and stories have led people to believe that he didn't fully direct this movie. Um, Multiple reports over the years have given us many, many accounts of the fact that actually George Lucas basically directed this as a shadow director. Um, Because once they got on set, it became very clear that Marquand had no idea about special effects. He'd made small budget movies. He didn't really know how to shoot, you know, with like with a mind for like green screen and compositing and all that stuff. He'd never done anything like that. So initially, Lucas was on set for that. But other rumors have suggested that he basically alienated several of the actors and actresses on set. Particularly, um, Fisher and Hamill accused him of treating them quite terribly, um, while specifically sort of constantly fawning over Harrison Ford. Um, they found that quite distasteful. Mm-hmm. Um, so with an interview um, with Ivan Kirshner, um, director of uh, Empire Strikes Back, in 2004, Kirshner said that Marquand didn't direct all of Jedi. It was Kirshner's assistant director and George Lucas who took over after the actors and actresses didn't respond well to him. Apparently the relationship between Marquand and Lucas was said to be bad uh, and developed poorly across the the shoot lucas has however claimed since in dvd commentaries that he worked quite well with him so mixed stories there the evidence though um does point to there being some issues because lucas himself has even admitted on on many occasions that he was frequently on the set of this movie even though he was supposed to only be a producer due to marquan's relative inexperience of visual effects um marquan joked it's rather like trying to direct King Lear with Shakespeare in the next room. <laughs> um, and in, in a 1997 CD-ROM called Star Wars Behind the Magic, it confirmed that the sequence showing the cremation of Darth Vader's body and armor was very much directed by Lucas, even though he's uncredited. Um, so again, yeah, what again, do you, what do you like, think to all that? That's yeah. Some... I think the more you dig into it, the more Lucas comes across like a good person because I, I I was like I wonder if he's done anything else and I so I'm on his Wikipedia. Oh Lucas is and he, he... responsible for the modern filmmaking. Oh yeah 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 no sorry no, I'm I'm talking about um Markwind. Um not not Lucas. Sorry. No, I know what else Lucas has done. <laughs> you, you, okay yeah well you said Lucas so I just took you at your what you were saying. No 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 I'm on I'm on Markwind's Wikipedia page right. and he he tragically passed away yes. quite young he was 50 in 191987 uh, yeah. so you know lucas talking positively about him in dvd commentaries which would be after he'd passed feels like maybe there was some stuff but he was being he was choosing to be respectful gotcha. and pay you know pay tribute and stuff to him and i think uh so yeah, there's probably. I mean, at the end of the day, if there's literally footage of Lucas <laughs> directing scenes, that would suggest Lucas was <laughs> very heavily involved. So I think there's probably elements of truth to that. And again, it's one of those things where, you know, everyone's got a different interpretation from their point of view, and the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah, because I mean, with that particular scene as well, my understanding is that the Darth Vader on the pyre shot wasn't part of the original shoot. It was something they decided to do after, and they built a small sort of version of the of the of the set, um, 
at Skywalker Ranch after the fact as almost like a second unit right. type shoot. So you could almost you could if you were to try if you were trying to def- defend that and and, and dis- discount that rumor and say no George Lucas didn't ghost direct this movie. Um you could easily point at that and go well he did some second unit stuff that's not the same which I guess you know right okay. You know so there's an there is an argument either way. Um interesting though. Um I've always found okay. that rumor interesting and it is it's persisted over the years. I've heard it in various you know forms as time has gone on. So I don't know. So it's, it's, it'd be a shame because he, you know, it, what? Imagine that you have to go with a non-union director because you've left the union and you've pissed them all off. So this poor guy who hasn't worked with special effects movies before is brought onto your heavily special effect-driven movie, and then you're annoyed that he can't do the special effects, and you like snatch the camera off him. Like, come on, let me do it. <laughs> you can't do this. What are you so doing? If, you know, even if it wasn't that harsh. You know the idea. That's such a... What was that, sorry? There you go. There you go. I was just because even if it wasn't that harsh, like it's still the very premise of bringing this poor bastard on to the set and then being annoyed he can't do this thing that he's never done before seems cruel. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem very mean, especially back then when when that was like now. The reality is, uh, you know, a lot of special effects is done is done before the director even gets involved, or at least you know visualized before the director gets involved. Um, so, yeah. you know, a director without much experience of that could do it easier now than they could Definitely. then, where, you know, so much of it had to be practical and, like, literally done. Yeah, yeah there are, like, special effects directors on set who who will who know how it all works and will deal with that. The director is going to come on set and basically work with the actors and make choices regarding, like, framing and stuff like that. But he's, you know, there's somebody handling the special effects side of things to take mm. that off the plate of the director. Um and yeah, I think because special effects are also more more common now, I think even even with that in mind, modern day directors naturally get more experience with them. You know, even yeah, even yeah. when they're making indie movies, you know. So um, anyway, um, let's move on to some of the trivia. Uh, so yeah, according to Ian McDermott, Lucas originally just cast him to be the physical performance of the Empire, sort of Emperor, similar to the way David Prowse played Darth Vader. Um, because obviously another voice actor had provided the voice for that sort of human monkey hybrid from the previous movie. Um, that was a guy called Clive Revel who'd provided the Emperor's voice in Strikes Back. And basically the producer said, if you can get your voice close enough to Revel's, we might use some of your on-set dialogue because it's always better to capture the dialogue on set if we can, you know, than dubbing it later. Um, just feels more real. So give it a go if you want when you're doing your lines on set, but be, keep in mind we're probably going to dub you over with the voice actor from the previous movie. Um, however, McDermott actually felt he could con- sort of construct a stronger, more wicked and demonic voice for the Emperor rather than sticking with Revel's more aristocratic sort of like Emperor. Um, Lucas and Spielberg were so impressed with his take that it ended up becoming the signature trait of the character like during like you know testing and all that stuff they just like were like oh no we're doing this now <laughs> which also kind of makes sense of why Lucas then went back and added his performance into the previous one because it is an incredible performance I mean it's remarkable oh it's brilliant it's, it's stunning if you have you got the thing I saw it on Wikipedia when I was looking at Sebastian Shaw earlier mm-hmm. have you got the thing about Sebastian Shaw and Ian McDermott bumping into each other no what's this tell me this story I'm so gonna... 
let me uh, let me get the direct okay. quote as well. Well, while okay. you while you're doing that, I very quickly will add that with the, it's, it's they got kind of lucky with Ian McDermott because Ian McDermott was very young. He's only a few years older than Mark Hamill when they shot this, and they make up him to look old and sort of dim, you know sort of demony, you know whatever you want to whatever you want to describe that sort of look of that the emperor is. And if, whereas if they'd chosen an older actor someone sort of like in Alec Guinness's age range to be Darth Vader's sort of mentor, they wouldn't have been able to then put him in the prequels and keep the same actor mm. or the sequels, as it turned out, you know, and keep the same actor. Yeah. The, ch- yeah. the, the, the choice to, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, the choice to hire a young actor and age him up could not have worked out better for them because he's such a great performer. And the fact he got to be in the prequels and look younger is staggering it's It's just such a cool little thing that worked out by accident i totally acknowledge there's no way lucas could have known that was how it was going to play out but fuck me that's great (laughs) and uh and i I think his acting is some of the best in the prequels like i think he's i think he's really strong in them yeah and Um, look look don't get me wrong the guy chooses the scenery but he chooses the scenery in a very particular on purpose way that's very menacing but also super fun to watch he is a he is a villain in a very true theatrical sense and i love it so yeah absolute props to ian mcdermott as an actor he just does an amazing job the character is very much written that way isn't he like like you say theatrical is the word he uh, so basically Sebastian Shaw, who we talked about, who plays unmasked Anakin, um, was friends with Ian McDermott, and so it says when Shaw arrived. Uh, so, but obviously Sebastian Shaw's role was this huge kept secret. He literally had to sign NDAs to say he wouldn't tell his family um, and wouldn't discuss it with anyone. So it says when Shaw arrived at the set for filming, he ran into his friend Ian McDermott, the actor playing Emperor Palpatine. When McDermott asked him what he was doing there, Shaw responded, "I don't know, dear boy. I think it's something to do with science fiction." <laughs> i think i did see that one actually it's not in my trivia but i did see that one that's brilliant i do love those two <laughs> they're almost, yeah, there's almost great. an alec guinnessness to that isn't there just like i don't know it's some science fiction shit i don't care like yeah they'll ask brilliant. me what to do when i get there <laughs> cool very good um excellent stuff uh jabba the hot puppet took um stuart freeborn's team three months to build and it cost about half a million dollars to make it weighed two thousand pounds and took six people to operate uh, once it was finished that is incredible um and it must be said as well there was a um they did hire a, a sort of a short person to sit in the tail end and operate Jabba's tail. And when Leia originally was asked to climb over Jabba and pull the chain to choke him, um, they hadn't accounted for the fact that Jabba was not made out of anything solid and her heel went right into the head of the poor guy in the suit. Um, he was okay, but wow. was very Blimey. hurt. Um, they then had to, yeah. before taking and doing another take, they had to then build like a, st- a structure over his head to protect him as Leia climbed over Jabba. Um, I can't imagine how much it would have hurt to get a heel in the head. Um, yeah, God. Yeah, I mean, look, Carrie Fisher obviously didn't, you know, didn't weigh a huge amount, um, but th- still, the weight of a human being uh, at the end of a pointy heel. Even someone who is, you know, as as, as light as Carrie seemed to be here, like, no, you wouldn't want it, would you? Yeah. 
<laughs> you definitely wouldn't no. want it. Um, speaking of Carrie, she was actually very, very... Uh, she, she was famously nice on set. Um, she really cared particularly about um, 11-year-old Warwick Davis's well-being during filming because um, he'd have to spend long days in the hot Ewok costume. So she actually provided him with cookies and chocolate milk between takes. Um, wow. And uh, Warwick Davis has said, you know, uh, following following that in, in later years, uh, you know, she was everything an 11-year-old Ewok could possibly wish for. And that's very sweet. Oh, that's um, I, yeah, I, I love Warwick and, and obviously Carrie is clearly an absolute gem. Like, she's just clearly a very lovely person um another interesting sort of onset mishap during the jabber sequence was anthony daniels actually experienced a panic attack on set in the sequence where salacious crow the little gremlin guy you know the little gremlin laffy guy um mm. was chewing at c-3po's eye um something about the scene he wasn't even in the full c-3po getup he was just uh waist up c-3po because obviously the the, the shot cut off his bottom half so there was no point in putting the legs on um but it was just the laughter and the plucking at the eye while he was in the suit and lying down he felt very i don't know he suddenly just sort of had a panic rise in him so the in this in the shot he didn't say any of his lines because he just kept saying get me up get me up get me up over and over um and they eventually realized he wasn't acting and that he wasn't saying his lines he was just in in trouble so they did get him out and he was able to, you know, he, he calmed down and he was okay. But in the actual movie, 3PO's lines, get me up, get me up, get me up, aren't the lines that were written, but were actually the actor having a genuine panic attack. And it oh, ended up wow. and it ended up in the movie. <laughs> so God. that's fun. <laughs> feels like these days feels like these days, quite correctly, that wouldn't end up in the movie. <laughs> yeah, not at least without having a sit down with the actor and saying, Look, we actually think it yeah. turned out really well you know you're you're i know you're not acting here i know you're having a genuine panic attack but it really does get across c-3po's panic are we okay to use it whereas back then i assume they just put it in and never asked him (laughs) um so yeah (laughs) remarkable um so i mean because they still i mean look at the 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 mission impossible movie a couple years ago tom cruise broke his ankle or whatever jumping across that building they still stuck it in the movie (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it happens, but like you say, imagine it's more of a conversation, and also that's a little bit different to the a pa- someone. Sure. Yeah. An, an injury and, a, and an actual human having a panic attack. Yeah. Two very different situations. Agreed. Um, this always makes me chuckle, and I I'd read this years ago, and I can't not laugh when I see it now. So the emperor's chair turns around with him in it, and it's all menacing, and and you know, it's all sort of like uh, gives him a bit of grandiosity and a bit of scale and a bit of intimidation. The chair was supposed to move on its own, and it actually was built with a mechanism in it to rotate it on its own, like a like a motor of some sort. But it broke. So in those scenes, Ian McDermott is shuffling his little feet to make the Empress chair so it's round. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love the idea that on set, the fucking menacing Emperor was just shuffling his little feet... <laughs> to move his chair beautiful. while acting all scary and that what every other actor and crew member could see was a thing we couldn't but is fucking hilarious I love that so that much fantastic and I know once I knew that I could never not watch that scene and giggle a little bit <laughs> which isn't yeah, fair, it's fair but it's you know it's not fair to the movie you can't see it but holy shit <laughs> anyway um, Lando's co-pilot Nine Nyub um, actually speaks a Kenyan dialect um, called Hea, 
Um, so the lines were delivered by um, a Kenyan student living in the US called Kipsang Rotich. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and basically what he did was he was given the lines, which were going to be subtitled, and just gave correct um, Heian translations of that text. So audiences in Kenya were apparently thrilled to hear their language spoken and correctly. <laughs> Like, oh, you wow. know, you, That's brilliant. not cocked up, like, you know, as, as these things, you know, when, yeah. it, you know, other languages in the Star Wars universe are based on other languages, but are obviously just garbled nonsense. Um, I think, that, yeah, it sounds like they really appreciated that. Understandable. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really nice. Yeah, I like that they got to do that. Um, apparently, um, Lucas got a bit paranoid about leaks on this set and issued fake scripts to cast certain cast and crew members that he considered likely to leak information to the media. Some of these phony story elements were indeed leaked. Um, one of the fake story elements that got into the press was that Lando was actually going to be revealed as the last hope that Obi-Wan and Yoda had talked about in the previous movie. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. Mm. Um, it's interesting because it might play into something else we're going to talk about in a little bit relating to David Prowse, but we'll come... David Prowse? I don't, don't, that is his name. Yeah, I, knew, I thought I'd got it. You know, earlier when I accidentally called him Peter Prowse? I thought I'd done that again, but I hadn't. <laughs> um, Admiral Ackbar's famous line, It's a trap! was originally going to be, It's a trick! Um, apparently they changed the, the line in post-production after a negative test screening. Can I ask a question of the universe? How does an audience who've seen this movie in a test screening indicate, mm, No, we're not into It's a trick. <laughs> Yeah, that's very specific, isn't it? <laughs> I've been to test screenings. I've done that. I've done test screenings. They ask very general questions about how you liked the movie. They don't ask that line. <laughs> it's a trick. How'd you feel about that? Oh, well, it felt like more of a trap to me. <laughs> so it felt disingenuous. I mean, I think the Emperor describes it as a trap. So it does. It is better. But yeah, it's oddly specific. Yeah. So I, I, I questioned the element of this story that says it was changed after a negative test screening. Um, I mean, it might physically have happened after a negative test screening, but I don't know if it was as a result of. Does that make sense? I feel like they were just, you know, they tweaked the line because, yeah. It, it, it sounded better, you know. Uh, but anyway, um, Alec Guinness once again filmed his cameo in just a day. Love Alec Guinness just rocking up for a day, walking away with like 0.5% of the billions of gross. Alec Guinness absolutely <laughs> walks onto set, like pulls up in a convertible, hops out of it, doesn't open the door, just jumps out of it, puts on some sunglasses, strolls in like, robe me up. They put him in his robe, he takes the sunglasses off, puts them by his side, says about eight lines, then puts them back on, rips off the robe and jumps back in his convertible and he's fucking Get- gone. <laughs> Gets in the convertible and the driver's like, how was it? And he goes, still shit. <laughs> like, how was it? Dialogue still sucks, but, you know, it's fine. They're paying me. <laughs> and then he puts on fuck yeah. the police, pulls down his glasses, leans back and drives away. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he, got one, he, got, he got one of those really, you know, rare out before the members were even alive demos of fuck the police <laughs> yeah he's a, look he's a he was a we've talked about this alex I, i'm not a supernatural like person i'm a skeptic on the whole um but he was a he was a spooky weird magic man was was alec guinness we talked about it in the last one how he predicted um whose death i can't remember uh, james dean's yeah james, james Dean. he, he predicted exactly what was going to be the end of that boy and like within a week of it happening it was kind of insane um, 
so yeah. <laughs> so he's a spooky weird man. Do you not think it's possible he just pulled that out of the future? Yeah, maybe. I'm now questioning. I'm trying to find out because actually the members of NWA were probably alive when this film came out, weren't they? True, but they, the song definitely didn't exist, so it's still a... Oh, yeah, 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 the song did either way. Anyway. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Dre was born in 1965, so definitely. There you go. There you go. Any guess? Random, random quiz, Dan. Love a random quiz. What year was, what year was Ice Cube born? <laughs> I don't know. Two years after that? Uh, 1969, you were close. Yeah. Where was it? What did I land on? Uh, you two years after that, so you'd have landed on 1967. <laughs> and obviously, Return of the Jedi was what year? Uh, 80. God, 82? Yeah, 82. So, so he, was, he was in the car, and they were like, wow, these 15 year olds are, are quite sweary, aren't they, Alec? <laughs> like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, driver. <laughs> <laughs> they're angry at the police and they should be <laughs> what do you mean they're angry at the police what's wrong with the police you'll find out in several years when the public finally actually starts to realise this system is heavily broken <laughs> anyway Alec Guinness yeah absolutely Moving on. love him um, the endor shots were filmed um, near Crescent City California uh, the forest work was especially hard on the Ewok actors due to the heat and the costumes sort of thickness um, apparently production assistant Ian Bryce had arrived on set one day to find a note from the Ewok actors saying they'd all had enough and that they were on their way to the airport he tried to drive to the airport but ended up with a flat tyre not far from set so he had to find another car and was just about to leave when a bus pulled up and all the Ewok actors got off wearing Revenge of the Ewoks t-shirts <laughs> now I like that piece of trivia but I feel like some context is needed did they? I was going to say, presumably that's because at the time the film was called Revenge of the Jedi. Correct. Was the whole thing a joke? Was it like a prank where they all left with the intention of coming back and thought it would be funny and therefore had the shirts put it in order? And if that's the case, did they did they, did, did, did they slash his tyre? <laughs> did they let the air out of his tyre? Did they do something so he would stay there? Like, I don't know. This I, I want more information on this. I've tried looking into it. No one's got any more detail than that. I want more detail. I, I don't know what, what was going on there. Were they genuinely yeah, mad? Was it, Were they joking mad? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Was it genuine, but then they ran into a t-shirt printer? Like, how did... Like... <laughs> Yeah. It, no, it was Alec Guinness. They ran into Alec Guinness with his sunglasses. And he was listening to football. Like, What's this music you're listening to, Mr. Guinness? He's like, don't worry about that. What are you guys doing? We're, oh, we're leaving. We're all angry. Let me take you to a guy. <laughs> Alec Guinness knows yeah. a guy. <laughs> it's like, why do the back of these t-shirts say, I am Iron Man? You'll find out in 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, right, this, this, this. These t-shirts, t-shirts say Rise of Skywalker. What's that? Don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm a spooky, weird future man. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> the point of view shots for the speeder bike sequence were actually really cleverly done. Uh, basically, they got a guy, a steady camera operator, to walk through a forest at normal speed with the camera filming at just one frame per second. So when you get one frame per second as you slowly walk through a forest, but then play that, that those frames back at 24 frames a second, you get those fast, look, you know, 
I had to make that. I did some, did some little sound effects there, Chris, to express speed. Mm. That was good. You know, you know, just how speed sounds. <laughs> Mm. That's what speed sounds like. Uh, as he ran through the forest, as he walked through the forest, it looked once you, you know once you played it back, it sped it up, and that's how they achieved that sort of effect. I think it's really cool, and I think it works really well, and I think it holds up. I'm really impressed because it's an old movie, and sometimes special effects don't hold up, but that's pretty damn good. Mm. So um, this movie actually w- went into production under a code name. Um, it went under the code name of Blue Harvest for a couple of reasons. The first one was that during pre-production, when people found out the, ne- the the movie they were shooting was Star Wars, they would increase the prices. Oh, you wish to rent some trailers for your actors? What's the movie? Star Wars. Hmm. That costs this much. Because everyone assumed they had basically an unlimited budget because everyone knew how much money the original movies had made. So they started calling up and booking stuff under the name Blue Harvest, which was a nondescript horror movie with a tagline, Horror Beyond Imagination. (laughs) Which sounded deeply boring and completely uninteresting. Mm. Um, It also obviously kept fans from getting on, you know, getting on set or knowing what was going on and gathering. Um... A trick that didn't necessarily work too much once Luke Han and Leia showed up for work with Chewie. <laughs> you know? um, but it did keep vast majorities of fans, particularly the outdoor forest stuff, because of, uh, and the uh, what was the other one? They were there was a, oh yeah when they were out in the desert doing the, the doing the Jabba barge stuff. Um, they were in a, they were in Arizona filming that, and apparently a bunch of like dune buggy enthusiasts were in the area. There was like. There was, I don't know, like a, like a meetup or something, and they were like trying to get to the sets, trying to you know see it happen. It was it was a big old problem, but it would have been much worse had they not had they had the title out there because people would have been able to gather. So they preserved secrecy yeah. that way. Um, hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Fair play. Um, Lucas fired uh, his friend and producer of the previous two Star Wars movies, Gary Kurtz, before production began. Um, some sources have reported he quit, but uh, it's always, you know, everyone everyone else has always maintained that Lucas fired him. Um, the relationship... Those, with- those sources are him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wasn't fired, I quit. Can I have another job, please? Um, his relationship with Lucas had deteriorated during Empire Strikes Back because of the fact that movie had gone so over budget and behind schedule. Obviously, we, we talked about this previously, that Lucas was self-funding those movies, and he, had to, and he actually had to go back to Fox for a loan to complete the second Star Wars film because of that. So it's not a surprise he fired Kurtz um, for this one, to be honest. Um, obviously, yeah, fa- famous trivia, we all know it, but it was originally called Revenge of the Jedi. Um, and posters were even produced that said Revenge of the Jedi. It was only a few weeks before the movie's release that Lucas went to Return of the Jedi, which actually had apparently been his earliest idea for the title anyway, but someone had told him it was a weak title. Um, I can't remember who. It might have been um, Kubrick. It was another director had basically heard the title and gone, mm, no, no. <laughs> um, might have been Spielberg. I can't remember exactly who it was, but someone had just said it was a weak title, Revenge of the Jedi, and he'd gone to... Re- no, sorry, Return was... A- so he'd gone to Revenge, and then two weeks before the movie came out, he sort of changed his mind and said, no, it has to be Return, because Jedis don't take revenge. That's kind of the point. Um, so that's all very well known. But Chris, a little bit of tag-on trivia for you. Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, which also came out 82, was going to be called Revenge of Khan. 
but well, they, they changed, changed it because they didn't want to clash with Star Wars. So they changed theirs to Wrath, but then Star Wars changed theirs to Return, and neither movie used the word revenge. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I Return to better title, like it is, because yeah. obviously those people hadn't watched the film and didn't know that actually it's about, you know, Anakin returning and, you know, Return of the Jedi. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think anyone can judge it. Yeah. you know, It works it makes, on a few it, levels, because it, it also covers, like, yeah. Luke completing his jedi training by facing his father so like yeah yeah beginning the jedi again it's yeah i think it's a great title yeah me too i like it i do like it it's probably what it's one of the better titles the star wars movies are some dodgy titles I don't, yeah Ra- rise of skywalker is not great <laughs> even it may if if the empire strikes back wasn't the empire strikes back people would view that as a bad title as well yeah agreed yeah if it was such a good movie yeah it's true um hayden christensen has since mentioned in an interview that he didn't actually know what lucas was asking him to pose for when he was shooting him to insert him into the 2004 special editions he's claimed (laughs) that if he knew what the scene was for he would have played it very differently oh that's see see he gets you know i'm sure we will talk prequels at some point but Another example of Hayden Christensen getting a bit of a raw deal, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I mean, look, I think the famous line that a lot of the actors from the original Star Wars movies said was that you can you can write this stuff, but you can't say it, and it's so true. Yeah. Lucas's writing is often very clunky. Yeah. A young actor, given some of that dialogue, he did the best he could with it. Like he is awkward in those yeah, movies, completely. but it's it's a lot of it is how he was directed and the fucking words he had to say convincingly. Other actors did admittedly found ways around it. Um, Natalie Portman, Ewan McGregor, but he definitely got a raw deal for being such a young actor, uh, for sure. Um, I'm very excited to see him come back to the to the world um, for this yeah, Obi Wan series. Um, so apparently, well, not apparently, the, the the word Ewok is never spoken in the movie at all. Um, nor are the individual Ewoks named. At no point do they call Wicket Wicket or Pablo Pablo. So uh, it's just one of those things where, in the, like with the spaceship names from the previous movies, they, they came out through the toys and supplemental material afterwards, and it became... Because, yeah, they, at no point do they call Salacious Crumb Salacious Crumb. Um, that's mm. just, you know, it's one of those things. Um mm. So, yeah. Um, where else are we? Okay, yeah. So, according to Gary Kurtz, the original treatment, who obviously Gary Kurtz, the guy that Lucas fired before this movie went into production. So, you know, always take with a pinch of salt. Uh, but he says the original treatment ended with Luke Skywalker walking off alone and exhausted like the hero in a spaghetti western, going into seclusion by walking out into the Tatooine desert. Um, he claims that George Lucas changed this, opting for a happier ending to encourage higher merchandise sales. Um, I, I I can see him changing it to want it to be a happier ending. The merchandise sales thing, I question. I don't know how that affects merchandise sales, personally. No, I don't see... Yeah, like, people feel more positive about it and therefore want to go out and splash the cash. Yeah, that's a bit... I agree with you. Like, okay, bit old. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, the slithery noises. I thought now this one, Chris, I cut and put back in because I just thought if anyone wants to know this, it's Chris. I I think Chris will enjoy a food-related bit of Star Wars trivia. Always, right? 
Do you want to know what the slithery noises made when Jabba the Hutt moves were created by? Tell me. It was sound designer Ben Burt running his hands through a cheese casserole. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't even know... What is a cheese casserole? <laughs> Honestly, I, mean? I was kind of hoping you'd know. Because I, I, that must be an American thing. Because I... I've... I've never is heard. It like, of... Is it like a fondue? I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up. Me too. I'm doing the same. Oh, look at that! Wow, broccoli and cheddar casserole. Look at that. That looks not appealing to me. I tell you, one of the problems here is I don't know how to spell casserole. Oh, oh Google corrected it for casserole. me. C a s s e r o l e. I, I, uh, I googled beef casserole and then just changed beef to see. Oh, oh, what? Oh, it's like a. Oh, it looks like a like a cauliflower cheese, but with broccoli in the, most of these images type thing. Yeah, I mean that's just macaroni cheese. <laughs> Good, yeah, Google's results aren't exactly. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. He ran his hands through one of those and created a squidgy sound, and that's the sound they used for Java, which I think that's kind of fun. I always like it when you hear what the foley artists like- actually used. Yeah, like in the original Jaws, to make the splashy sounds, they uh, shook up a coke and opened it to make water sounds. Nice. Very nice. Pretty cool. Um, When preparing to work on the special editions... Oh, no, we've already talked about this one. Sorry, I'll skip that. Uh, This is the only Star Wars movie where Darth Vader does not force choke someone. A scene apparently did exist in the first cut that showed him force choking an Imperial officer in order to gain access to the Emperor's throne room. This scene was cut because George Lucas felt this point had been made clearly enough in The Empire Strikes Back, where, as we pointed out last week, he force chokes fucking everyone. Yeah, definitely. Would also, agree with Lucas on that. force choking someone to get access to the Emperor's throne room. Like, these are your people. You should have access to yeah. that. That scene doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah, I'm glad that, that was removed. That feels like a force choke for the sake of a force choke. It does. Absolutely does. Um, so, the location they chose for the forest was actually a section of the forest that was being used for logging. And as a result, the special effects crew were actually allowed to knock down trees to use in the scenes and have shots of trees coming down and being used. Presumably, it doesn't say it here, but presumably they then just gave that wood to the logging company and said, we've, we, 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 we pulled this out of the ground for you. You can have it now. <laughs> we used it to smash an, an, an AT-AT around the head or ATST around the head. <laughs> anyway, um, apparently the original version of the script had Ewoks being Wookiees. So they were, they went to the Wookiee planet of Kashyyyk. Well, it might have still been called Endor, but they went to the Wookiee homeworld, basically. Uh, the Millennium Falcon nice. was um, actually supposed to be used for the arrival at the at the planet. And apparently, in the earliest version of the script, Obi-Wan Kenobi returned to life in a sort of, I don't know, Gandalf-esque sort of using the force to recreate his body nonsense. I don't know. Sounds that would convoluted. not have been good. What's that say? I said that would not have been good. No, it wouldn't. I'm glad they, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, me too. Um, David Prowse only portrayed Vader, as we've already talked about, in the first half of the movie. Um, once we get to the fight scene, Bob Anderson, stuntman, was playing Vader. And then, obviously, Sebastian Shaw played the character Went once he was unmasked. Um, so... Let's talk a little bit about Prowse and his ever-evolving relationship with Lucas. Annoyed in the first movie, because his voice was replaced without him being aware. Annoyed in the second movie, because 
they didn't tell him that Darth Vader was Luke's father because Lucas suspected Prowse as being a leaker. Um, we'll come to that in a second. So Prowse was not told that they were even doing a mask face reveal scene and that he'd been recast. Yeah, wow. So Prowse was very out of the loop and had no idea that Vader got unmasked and that another actor would be playing him. A journalist actually broke the news to him in the build-up to the film, to which he replied, they wouldn't do that, they wouldn't go unmask, and it's somebody else after I've played the part for six years. Ooh. Ouch. Yeah, to add more strain to his relationship with Lucas... A prominent UK newspaper, the Daily Mail, ran a short story before the movie's release revealing that Darth Vader would probably die at the end and then hinted David Prowse was behind the leak. Now, as a result, he wasn't interviewed for the DVD release of the original trilogy. Wasn't interviewed for um, Empire Dreams. And has not and was not ever allowed to make appearances at official Star Wars related events. So he God. didn't ever get to appear at like Star Wars Celebration or anything that Lucasfilm was actually running. The the fan events he went to, and the word is he went to a lot of them, were local, private, convention y type events. Anything associated yeah. with Lucasfilm, Prowse was not allowed to be in. Um, wow. Prowse himself denied he was the one who told the newspaper of Darth Vader's death um, since he'd been unaware of it because he didn't film it <laughs> um, and then later it did emerge presumably through Lucas's trick with the fake scripts um, that it was an un- unnamed crew member that had been responsible for the leak so I feel for Prowse um, he got the raw yeah, end yeah, of the stick definitely. constantly through these movies Um yeah, I, I like Sebastian yeah, Shaw. I love how Sebastian Shaw, Shaw plays that scene with Mark at the end. And I agree it's tricky because his accent is so thick. Prowse, it, it wouldn't have necessarily worked, but I do feel bad for the guy that they weren't open with him and honest with him and just said, look, your accent is, is sadly the issue here. We are going to recast. Just be honest with the guy. Don't let him get blindsided by the press like that. Awful. <laughs> just awful. Yeah, I don't... I don't agree with the decision, but the handling of it, I think, was poor. Correct. And, yeah, uh, that's a real shame. Yeah. Um, So, it wouldn't be Star Wars trivia without me pointing out that the very first cut of this movie was reportedly a disaster. Shocker. (laughs) Take a drink, everyone, playing the Star Wars trivia game. Uh, The the first screening of the movie, so the, the earliest cut of the film, was reportedly a disaster, which is trivia that has been in every one of these movies we've done so far. Um, every movie had a really poor first cut. Um, apparently it didn't feel like a Star Wars movie. Um, so eventually editor um, Sean Barton did his own cut and Lucas actually preferred it much, much more and it was his cut that the final version was based on. Um, so there you go. Uh, during pre-production, uh, Lucas and screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan constantly argued about the story beats and set pieces, both of them getting into heated discussions, particularly over whether to scrap Endor entirely in favour of a climactic battle on a planet called Had Abaddon, which was supposedly the Imperial home planet. Um, I still think that would have been pretty cool, but, you know, Lucas got his way. We got we got the Ewoks. So there you go. Um, okay. 
the original color. I feel, of like, the... I feel like we there is no more to say about Ewoks. <laughs> no, we, we've covered Ewoks. Um, originally, the last two bits of trivia. Originally, the color of Luke's new lightsaber was actually going to be blue. Um, and in fact, one of the the earliest trailer for this movie, he it can be seen wielding a blue lightsaber, and also in an early poster teasing the movie. However, um, there was a scene where Luke was assembling and activating the new lightsaber, and when they chose to cut that, and you can see that scene; it's on YouTube, by the way. It's really cool. It's a good scene. It's, I'm glad it's not in the movie because the reveal of the new lightsaber is great how it is here. But when they cut it, they were left with a problem. If it's blue, the blade. Would audiences not go, how's he got his lightsaber back? If we've now cut the scene showing him make. Because it was basically the movie, it was one of the opening scenes of the movie was Luke constructing his new lightsaber and then obviously showing up at Jabba's Palace with it. The introduction of him showing up at Jabba's Palace is way more impactful, so they cut the scene, but then you've got the question of what's with the new lightsaber. So the reason his new lightsaber is green, not blue, was simply to differentiate it from his original lightsaber. So the fact do, uh, green lightsabers exist at all is an accidental sort of byproduct of a cut scene. There's uh, a tradition of that though, isn't there? Like Samuel L. Jackson uh, wanting a purple lightsaber just so he could find himself in the battle. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, they were they to avoid confusion they changed it to green. So there you go. That's a, uh, a trivia. I do recommend people check out the original version of that scene. Though. It's pretty cool. Um, I, I understand why it was cut. Um, I prefer Luke's entrance in the movie we have, but it's neat to see. Um, the final bit of trivia Definitely. relates to our boy and the person we've... I, I've really... Every time we've done this podcast, the, the, these Star Wars podcasts, I've kicked myself for not talking about the work of Ralph McQuarrie. Uh, Ralph McQuarrie was an artist who did all the concept art for the Star Wars movies. And if you look at his original art, Ralph McQuarrie's visual style is why Star Wars looks like it looks. Lucas did obviously have very specific ideas in his head, but Macquarie's art is beautiful and impactful and alien and incredible and is very, very much guided the entire look of everything Star Wars since. Um, mm. Ralph Macquarie's piece where it's Luke with the breathing mask facing off with Vader, um, I think from Empire, it was my desktop background on my computer for a about eight years <laughs> um it's an incredible piece of art um now reportedly the trivia is that he became burnt out because of his constant work on these movies constantly having to draw new and new stuff and apparently he was not fond of the ewok concept at all um and as a result of his burnout and also not really wanting to draw the ewoks he actually walked away from return of the jedi and didn't produce um the concept art. Um, I find that interesting. Um, but obviously the movie still held on to a lot of the stuff he'd established because of, he'd already done a lot of the major design work um, from the previous movies. So Ralph McQuarrie is an... Un- not Well, if you're, a, if you're a big Star Wars fan, you know that name. You, you know what his contributions are. But I think to casual viewers, Ralph McQuarrie is an uncredited hero of Star Wars. And I really wanted to talk about him in the first two podcasts, and we never got a chance. So I'm just going to tip my hat here and say Ralph McQuarrie, fucking legend. Well, uh, Ralph, what a champ. You're right, just beautiful, uh, beautiful work that just, you know, is one of the definitive things about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
yeah, just I mean, he, he's, he's he's passed away now. So I think he passed away in like 2013 ish. Um, but just Google his name and look at some of his art and go, holy shit, this guy is responsible for the look of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, it's he's he really did. And it was also it was his it was his drawing uh, his early concept drawing of C three PO that actually uh, led to um, Anthony Daniels taking the role because Anthony Daniels wasn't particularly interested in um, in doing it, um, mm. and but he went for the meeting anyway to be polite. And on the wall was this picture that Ralph McQuarrie drew the early design of three PO. Doesn't really look like the three PO that we ended up getting, but. Um, neither does the R2 in the background actually to be fair but um, he says just something about its eyes caught his attention and he saw like a vulnerability in the character that really connected with him and it's the reason he ended up choosing to do the movie uh, that's how good Ralph McQuarrie's art is um, although mm. I've, just, I've just googled his name and it does look like he did draw some stuff for Return of the Jedi before he left because he's done a drawing here of 3PO um, at ja- and, and R2 in the sort of back room of Jabba's palace, you know, where they were being branded as Jabba droids and like you know, yeah. being reassigned. So he, so he did do some artwork for it before he left, um, but no sign of Ewoks. <laughs> so yeah, um, there you go. So yeah, I just I, I couldn't go. not give. Uh, oh man, I just found his painting of Cloud City. Fuck me, <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> he's, he's nice. Yeah, incredible. Woo. That is that is what a fitting note to end. Start. We did it, Dan. We talked about Star Wars. I mean, it took us nearly eight hours or something across the three, but we we did it. Yeah, I mean, how long has this one been? We're we're oh god, we're we're, we're over three hours. Fun. Three hours twenty minutes. <laughs> Sorry, it's not your fault. Um, it's it's a mutual responsibility. But we is there a quick listener question? <laughs> <laughs> you thought I'd have been prepared for that, wouldn't you? I am not. Let me see if there's one. Let me quickly, very quickly see. Um... But obviously, you know, we incredibly iconic. We've talked about our love for it throughout, but what a, what an amazing um, I, trilogy. I, I can't find one. And also because this has overrun so much already, I'm going to say that we covered it with our... But let's just imagine the listener question was, Chris, what did you do last night? And we answered it right up top. Better play. <laughs> Fair play. Quick quick ranking, Dan. I think it probably... I usually put A New Hope above Empire, but I think I would go... I think on reflection, having analysed it, I think I would pro- probably go Return, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think uh, Return of the Jedi is the most flawed, as, 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 as evident by the fact that we, there were a few things we both talked about in this podcast that were a bit more critical than some of the stuff we said about the previous two movies we found we found more things that might be that had room for improvement in this movie than the than the other ones but to be fair and I will say this now compared to un- the the other recent trilogy ending movie it's a masterpiece honestly it it, it it's yeah. absolutely a satisfying c- conclusion to the story we were getting and it didn't go, you know it didn't waste any of our time chris introducing us to fucking new characters that taking screen time away from the fucking characters we already were desperate to see more of and get shunted to the side as well so you know like this movie introduces to 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 no major new players on the good guy side other than just the ewoks but it introduced lando and then actually used him in the next film as opposed to just forget about him 
and yeah. not doing anything as well. Better in it. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's, yeah, I think it's better than I think it's better than any prequel. And um, and I do think and... it's probably better. Return of the Jedi is probably better than most people remember it is. Um, I think it gets overshadowed because of you know Ewoks and some of the other discussion mm. around this movie. Um, and it, certainly, it's the movie with the most egregious subsequent edits but while it does still sit third for me because i agree with chris's ranking it's you know empire is the best of these three new hope close second and this a little bit further down in third of these three movies um i think i think it's i think it's better than you remember it is honestly i think it's 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 closer in quality to those other two movies than people tend to realize um yeah while it isn't a masterpiece it's it's still a really satisfying conclusion to this trilogy yeah i think it unfairly gets remembered for ewoks and stuff so yeah Yeah. and i think there's plenty Um, of great moments good action character stuff you know, yeah, all that, all that good stuff's in here, and it's super. It's a fun movie. Like you know, you can moan about the Ewoks all you like, but like you know, it's 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 definitely entertaining. Like no way around that. Like it's a really well constructed movie. So yeah, um, a big thumbs up. Um, shocker to everyone, I'm sure, but Star Wars is good. Yeah, who well, knew? These original trilogy. Um, next week, that it's me, isn't it? I think it is. Which is, I was wondering yeah. about this because you're the you're, it's your choice next, but um, I wasn't sure if you were aware of that going into this, and because you, <laughs> because because of the the uh, circumstances surrounding this recording, uh, there were no there was no real opportunity for me to poke you and say just so you know at the end of this one I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't want to put you on the spot you're gonna have to choose the next movie I don't know how prepared you are Chris to choose the next movie have you thought about it do you know. Yeah, no, I've thought about it. I mean, there's no real. I mean, you know, it's you know, it's it's name in a movie, isn't it? There's no. So, so well, I, I know, but I you, think you, you like to, you know, so you do like to sort of like pick a movie that you think like fits with a theme or like has a, you know, there's a reason. Like you choose. Yeah, like, I'm not really. Yeah, I'm not. I'm deliberately not doing that this week. I thought about The Hangover, um, <laughs> because that seemed appropriate. Uh, <laughs> it seemed an appropriate thing, um, but I'm just going to go with a movie that. I've thought at one point might do that, uh, which would be 1998's Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, just, you know, it's the logical follow-up to Star Wars. Uh, yeah. So the Eddie Murphy 1998 Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> clearly, clearly not a fan from memory then. Um, I remember... I. I saw that movie. Oh, we shouldn't do this. We should we do this every time. I'd seen better Eddie Murphy movies prior to this because my dad was a big Eddie Murphy fan and I remember being disappointed. But we'll talk about it. We'll talk about oh, God. It. Yeah, God. If you went into this with like the like Beverly Hills Cop and stuff, then mm-hmm. yeah, I could see that. Yep. Because um, I, I, my, cool. dad, my dad is like, like one of the biggest Eddie Murphy fans on the planet. He had cassettes of all of his stand-up shows that he'd had imported unedited like yeah uh, my <laughs> you know i i grew up with a lot of this material and and uh, dr doolittle was uh was a disappointment <laughs> mm. yeah. fair play yeah cool so yeah thanks very much for listening everyone we, we, we appreciate it all as always you can hear these episodes a week ahead 
if you head over to if you're if you're listening to this on Spotify or YouTube, you can hear the Doctor Little episode right now. If you want to get a, a glimpse of how how we how that fares on a rewatch, um, by going to the uh, Patreon.com/slash/NothingButStatic and signing up for as little as one dollar a month, that also gives you the option to leave us a listener question. Um, thank you to the anonymous listener this week that asked us how Chris's previous evening had gone. Uh, mm. <laughs> it was very very handy. Really appreciate that. Saved saved the length of this podcast a little bit. Um, yeah, so if you want to give us a question, you can do that. Um, you can also do it through the Discord, which you get a link to join if you become a patron. So you can join our Discord and have a chat with us and ask us questions that way. Also, I say us, I mean me. Chris lost his password. <laughs> true story. Uh, this is all true. Otherwise, obviously, whatever platform you are listening to this on, they probably have some sort of reviewing system. If you're on YouTube, you can like and subscribe. If you're on iTunes, you can rate with stars. Um, Amazon... I don't know, whatever it is, thumbs or something. I don't know. Just just have a check. If you want to help us in a different way than with money, you can support us by you know, reviewing us on whatever platform you're listening to on. It does help. The algorithm knows. It notices. Um, otherwise, obviously, we have other stuff you can listen to. The series of Analyzing Avatar um, that we did prior to this is out there. Um, nothing but Stanley Carb, sort of every, uh, bi-weekly podcast about TV that exists. If you want to hear us talk about various television things, um, there's, some, there's some good stuff happening at the minute that we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. So those will be out by the time you guys hear this, um, particularly talking about things like Apple TV's calls and um, Invincible over on Amazon and uh, a few other bits. There's some, there's, there's some interesting stuff happening at the minute TV-wise, and I'm, I'm kind of curious um, to hear what Chris has to say about them. We haven't recorded them yet, so it's a bit of a... We'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, um, I think that's everything. I think I covered it. Oh no, Twitter, at Dan Doolin, if you want to get me on Twitter and say thoughts at me. You can get Chris on Twitter, at C Billingham, with two M's. Um, C Billingham. Um, and you can buy discos from Amazon. Yeah, you can in in twenty four packs. Um, the oh, is grab- that how many you bought? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what's funny? I really like. I'm so desperate to pee, man. Go on, carry on. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, sorry. Um, I really like bugles. You know the the, the walkers bugles. They're I'm just like- going to pee while you're saying this. I'm doing it. So you've now got a fill. You did it to yourself. Carry on. <laughs> oh dear. I'm just. I really like the walkers bugles, which are like cheese crisps that are in the shape of a of a you know a little cone. Um, I don't like their marketing strategy, which is just to say it's a fun shape. But they're just delicious. They're just really. Te- I like the. I like all the starchy material they're made out of. I like the flavor on them. And I've been like looking on Amazon because you, they they don't they don't they don't have them at most shops. Like they're just not part of the average range of a of a, a medium sized store. And we've been to some bigger stores, still haven't found them. Um, it's very frustrating. Um, but they've got them on Amazon. And I'm just like, I keep looking at these big bags of bugles and just thinking, oh, I should buy some. And uh, we, the next week uh, from a recording of this, the, the King Kong Godzilla movie is coming out. And I'm thinking, oh, that'd be a nice snack to sort of have alongside those. But I'm questioning, debating, because you're ordering them on Amazon. You've got to order a couple of packs. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to I'm not gonna do that. That seems like a, a, a crazy thing to do. But Chris has recently also revealed to me he bought every available flavor of mini cheddars through amazon so i you know i feel like i'm missing out on getting obscure snacks this way so yeah i don't know you back oh he's not back yet he's not back yet he's telling me i'm missing out yeah i just i i i really like it and i'm and and, and now with chris continually buying crisps on amazon um I'm looking at doing the same. I'm looking at them right now. Get some bugles. Get some cheese bugles. 
Uh, to Nadia's credit, by the way, she recently went out and and found a store that had, for some reason, barbecue flavored ones, which I've never had before. So I've, I have got access to those. I, I uh, I'm back now. Um, yeah, I think you should absolutely buy the Boogles. I knocked my mic as I came in. Apologise if that was audible. Um, you should do it, man. I honestly, I had a revelation about uh, the other. It was it was about early Feb, and I literally sat there and I was just randomly looking on Amazon. And I just thought to myself, I'm, you know, I'm over 30. <laughs> I've got a mortgage. <laughs> I don't I don't need to wait until Easter to order some Easter eggs. If, <laughs> you know, if East, you can do it, Dan. You can do it. Like, obviously, right now it is Easter. But you can just, like, everyone knows Easter egg chocolate is the best. You don't need to. It doesn't need to be April or late March or whatever the fuck Easter falls. You can just do it whenever you like, Dan. And it really changed my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not an understatement. It really changed my life. My whole yeah, life I told changed. A mate about it. I was like, he was like, I said to him about it. He was like, you're right. Easter egg chocolate's the best. I was like, do it, mate. Just order it. Just just order it today. And he did. And he, he was very grateful. Mm. Um, and but yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm still staring at these. I'm if literally, you, as if, we are talking, I'm staring at the Bugles on Amazon. You really should order them. Hmm. If I knew your address, I'd order them and get them sent to your house. <laughs> I might order them. I might order them. I'm excited. I like pupils. I don't know why. My recently viewed... Right, let's do... Right, so see your... <laughs> see, I've peed now. Right. This is my recently now viewed... Now Chris has peed and he doesn't give a shit. Like, this is going to go no, on No, no, no. We do, need to end. we do need to end this. We do need to end this. But this is my recently viewed. A crunchy Easter egg. A dairy milk Easter egg. Pesto. Another pot of pesto. Three different butter dishes. <laughs> Do the shops you visit not have pesto? What are you doing? I'm t- I've resorted to Amazon for for bugles because I'm struggling to find them in other stores. What are you doing? My go-to, my go-to man is just to look on Amazon for something first. <laughs> discos, discos, Pringles. Uh, then there's a series of books. You're a fucking. <laughs> then there's a Toblerone. Never change. Yeah. Oh man. Right. So there I'm you go. You. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm going to try and end it here. Um, I think we successfully made Return of the Jedi our bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And if not, our bicycle. (laughs) (laughs) At least bicycle. We at at least did it as a bike. It's at least our bicycle, even if it isn't the other. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to turn it over to Chris to to wrap us up. Dear Lord. There's a run here, and this is no exaggeration, mate. This is genuinely, this is a run. This is a run in a row on my recently viewed. Mini Cheddars, Dairy Milk Easter Egg, Dairy Milk Buttons Easter Eggs, Walker's Max KFCs, Walker's Poppables, Sensations Peking Spare Ribs, a collection of three mini eggs, Tony's Chocolate, Walker's Max, Salted Caramel Twix, and the complete Indiana Jones box set. (laughs) I I can tell you right now, the Tony's Chocolate Lonely Chocolate it's fucking delicious. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. Yeah, it's brilliant. They do a caramel yeah. one, a solid caramel one that's fucking amazing, and a pretzel one that's really good yeah. too. Um, it's great. Anyway, right. I've been Chris Billingham. <laughs> I've been Dan Doolin. <laughs> and this review has been rewound. <laughs>